Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have run to the dollar, and that's why it is strengthened. But I guarantee that is Word because... Of exchange rates because people see the dollar as being more solid than other currencies. But with two trillion admitted to overseas paper Federal Reserve notes, and I would say it's probably a whole lot more than that because I know dang good and well that gobs and gobs of Federal Reserve notes were, were supposed to be destroyed were not destroyed. They were put in pallets and taken to the Middle East to pay off people. And it was been going on since I know the 60s or 70s because my dad had a photograph where a bunch of this was taken to Central America, and it went to the State Department. The State Department then funneled it to the communist uh, people who were overthrowing things. So time and time again, and I knew this from the 70s from talking to kids in, in engineering school uh, from Latin America, the uh, communists were sitting there spending American Federal Reserve notes to finance their stinking communist takeover of the military dictatorships. So all these paper dollars are overseas. That was not true in the 1930s. Well, that's a so, really good idea. That's a good point that I hadn't heard of before, I haven't thought of before. But if you want to fund something overseas, you've either got to, it's got to be on the budget unless you found a supply of supposedly destroyed dollars. Yep. The Federal Reserve is supposedly culling the the worn dollars out of circulation, and they bring them in, and they allegedly burn them. But the truth okay. is, they could be invested overseas in anything from communism to just washing machines, and you could invest them, um, given that there's no record of them on the books. Alfred, all the all Al- people know. They said, "Well, that was burned up. How do you know? You know, Alfred, if it wasn't at- burned up, we, so you have a covert source of funds there that could be used to influence geopolitics." Jim, we have to let you thank you for your comment, and have to let you go. It's we're out of time. I want to thank all of you folks for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Jim from West Virginia. Bye bye. All night I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? Still there never seems. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. 
saw it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
choreographed. People still like it. Hey, you go to plays and, hey, they got a script. You know, they don't just get out there and say whatever they want whenever they want. You know, hey, well, you know, hey, stick to the script. Okay. Well, everybody still likes it, so fine. I know that the WWE is is scripted, but I still enjoyed it. You know, the, the you know, and then I I don't know, I just got kind of I don't know. They just got I didn't dislike it or anything or stop watching it because they did something or said something. or It just got to be okay. I've seen this for quite a while now. It just got kind of old. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, so it's a good thing that these campaigns only come around every, you know, two or four years. You know, because, man, if we had to watch them every, every day on and on, they'd get old real quick because this is already getting old. And it hasn't only been a few months, okay? But now there's more news. And, you know, at least the characters in this particular circus are a little more interesting than the deadbeats like Mitt Romney and John McCain. And <laughs> Wake me up when it's over, right? But Ted Cruz now, there's a rumor out there. We'll see if it comes true that he is going to uh, name... Carly Friorenzo, or whatever her name is, the the killer of Hewlett Packard. That's just how I uh, think of her as his vice president. As if you know he has a chance to become president. <laughs> you know, remember I reported to you why this is why I'm bringing it up at all. I mean, he because if he would have said somebody else, I probably wouldn't even mentioned it. That's like me, you know. This is like me naming my presidential, my vice presidential uh, running mate. Oh boy, yeah, that that's interesting. Seeing as how you're never going to be president, you know, yeah, that's that's really great. Okay, so you're never going to be vice president is who? But as I reported, uh, you know, back I don't know when, but Ted Cruz gave her campaign like half a million bucks. What strikes me about it is old Ted is always out there begging money, telling everybody how poor he is, how everybody else has got money except him, and uh, everybody's out spending him, and everybody's out uh, this and that and the other thing, and he's just a poor boy from Texas and, and all this crap. You know, and it's not true at all. As a matter of fact, Ted Cruz has outspent Donald Trump. Donald Trump hasn't spent that much money on his campaign. It's amazing when you look at the numbers of, okay, what does everybody spend? What is everybody bringing in? Donald Trump has not spent. Everybody has spent more than him. And everybody, except Bernie Sanders, has gotten more money from outside sources. Everybody. Well... I guess everybody, when you, you know, I was going to say everybody, Democrats and Republicans, so everybody in the Democrats is Hillary Clinton. And boy, she's gotten the most of everybody. Anyway, here's some more news. Ex-Speaker of the House, Hassert. Yeah, it's a big player in the mainstream established Republican Party. Yeah, he's a ch- serial child molester. Yeah. He was molesting wrestling t 
team guys when he was the wrestling coach. I mean, this guy's been molesting pages. He's just been molesting young people forever. And, and, and he got caught and he got sentenced. And guess what? He has to do a whole, oh, are you sitting down, everybody? Yeah, he has to do a whole 15 months in a federal prison camp. You know, with the tennis court and the pool. Yeah, that's where he'll be going. Oh, but, hey, the prosecutors, you know, the judge was really harsh. Fifteen months. Ooh. For molesting children for only, like, 30 years. Wow. Fifteen whole months? And that's harsh. You know why that's harsh? Because the prosecution wanted zero to six months. That's what they suggested. Do you really think that's the kind of sentence you would have gotten? I don't think so. So Trump made a speech today, and he says, uh, America first. And here's, here's, and I don't know what context this is in. I did read part of his speech, and I don't remember seeing this line in it, but perhaps I didn't read the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, false song of globalism. Folks, I'm telling you, I've been telling you, this is why they hate Donald Trump. It's not because he's from New York. It's not because he's a billionaire. It's not because he's not in the establishment. It's because he's not a globalist. At least, certainly not to the extent that the Republican and Democratic parties are. Now, look, we all, well, okay, unless you really want to just, like, say, okay, no immigration, no more airplanes out of the country to anywhere, and uh, we're just going to lock this place down and uh, put up an iron curtain, and that's going to be that. And and truly an isolationist, you know, uh, unless you're feeling that way, most of us, you know, have a certain... I mean, look, we have to realize, well, the rest of the world is out there. It's kind of like folks who, you know, say, well, this election doesn't mean anything. It's all fixed. It's all rigged. It doesn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, maybe that's true. I can't argue with that, but I can tell you they're going to do it anyway. Whether you think it's fair, whether you think it's right, whether you think it matters, it doesn't matter what you think. They're going to do it anyway. Just like, hey, the rest of the world is out there. That That's not going away. Whether we build a wall, we don't build a wall, whatever we do, they're still there. So globalism, you know, we've always been globalists to a certain degree because this nation has always traded with other nations there's nothing wrong with that okay as a matter of fact it's a good thing see that's one thing people don't understand about china is that you know everybody i hear this all the time the chinese are going to attack the chinese are going to come through mexico the chinese are going to invade america the chinese are this you know what okay well i don't know what you know you're dreaming because this is just not the chinese way it never has been they have a very long history 
that you may want to call a track record that you can actually look at and say, okay, well, how do the Chinese deal with, you know, other nations? The Chinese have now opened up their country to foreigners more than they ever have, voluntarily, that is. Now, the British forced their way in and tried to get everybody addicted to opium. And, oh, wait a minute. Hey, you know what? Uh, from what I read, there's an opium epidemic in the United States. Huh. Anyway, we'll get back to that. But China has opened up their country to foreigners more than they ever have. Generally, China keeps their, con- keeps their own country closed. Pretty much. You know, not entirely, but pretty much closed to foreigners. But they trade with other nations. They have always been a trading nation. Can you name? When was the last time China actually saddled up and marched uh, across the world to somewhere else to attack them? And I mean outside of Asia, because really uh, the Chinese do feel that they should be in charge of Asia. Of course, the Japanese feel they should be in charge of Asia. The Koreans feel they should be in charge of Asia because they all hate each other because they're a bunch of racists. I mean, we look at them all and say, well, you know, Asian this, Asian that. They all look the same to me. I don't care. Well, they do care. Okay, just like Mexicans care. There's white Mexicans and there's dark-skinned Mexicans, and they do care. Racists. Folks, we live in the least racist nation on, well, I don't know on earth, but at least out of China and Mexico. I mean, Canada might be less racist than we are. I don't know. (laughs) Although, what do they got to be racist about? Although, you know, their government seems fit to infest their country with refugees from the Middle East also. Anyway, so globalism is really the problem, and we've tried it. It's like gun control. We've tried it, but they keep saying it's the only way. It's the only way forward. It's the natural progression forward. Well, globalism is unnatural, okay? What is natural is for people to tribe up with their own kind, and deal with other other tribes, you know, for what they need, for what is beneficial to both of them. But they don't generally mix, and they certainly don't force their tribes to mix. See, that's globalism. That's not natural. It's unnatural, folks. That's the thing about globalism. It is unnatural. Just as unnatural as saying, hey, uh, you can't have a gun, you can't defend yourself. You know, that's like taking a cat and ripping its claws out of its out of its paws. Or pulling the teeth out of your dog and saying, well, no, I'm sorry, you know, it's too dangerous for you to have those teeth. We're, you know, you, you might bite somebody. You never have, but you could, and we can't have that. So... We're ripping your teeth out. It's unnatural. 
But they have been for years through the public schools and the media telling everybody, well, this is the natural progression. We have to be progressive. We have to move forward into the future. This is the way. Oh, hey, and if you don't think that's true, hey, well, just look at, look at, Look at Star Trek. Look, United Federation of Planets. Oh, United Earth. You see, that's what's natural for the... Be- no, it isn't. That's science fiction, folks. It's a fun story to watch and all that, but that don't mean, oh, well, hey, look at that. Listen, you see what happens when you start taking science fiction and trying to make it reality? You end up with the Mormon Church, you end up with Scientology, you end up with the Jehovah's Witnesses, you end up with all... You see, science fiction is a, is, a, is a fun thing to watch. And yeah, you can actually use science fiction to make really uh, social commentary that you wouldn't be able to get away with in other mediums. Because, well, I'm not saying that about... Anybody on this planet, those are aliens for crying out loud. Yeah, and you're allowed to say, well, you know, a lot of things that you couldn't get away with in a normal drama. But that doesn't mean, well, I'm going to start instituting some of these science fiction principles into my life. That's not usually a good idea. But people do it. Here's something interesting. GOP fundraiser. This is the headline, but there's more. GOP fundraiser busted for running meth lab out of her home. Wow, wow, those dirty, rotten Republicans. And that's really what this uh, this particular website's all about. But what's interesting about it is a fundraiser for Arizona Republican Senator John McCain was arrested along with her boyfriend Tuesday in a major drug sting. Emily Pitha, who also worked for former Arizona Republican Senator John Kyle, is accused of running a meth lab and a drug shipping operation out of her Phoenix home. Police were tipped off when a package containing a large quantity of ecstasy was shipped to her home from the Netherlands. Now, you know what's... I, I Okay, so we could just blow by that and keep reading, but, you know, I'm wondering, really? Police were tipped off when a package containing large quantity of ecstasy was shipped to her home from the Netherlands. How did they know this package had a large quantity of ecstasy in it? Are you saying that the mail or the, you know, UPS or FedEx, are you saying these shipping companies are are opening your mail? Wow. Keep that in mind, folks. You know, we talk about, oh, it's so dangerous online. All the hackers, the NSA, everybody knows what you're doing all the time. You know, nothing's secret. And that's that's true. I mean, it's, it's true. Unless you take extraordinary steps to protect your data, it's out in the wild, man, and it's it's up for grabs. But don't get all secure and warm and fuzzy because, well, I know what I'll do. 
I'll write a letter, and I'll throw it in an envelope, and I'll put a stamp on it, and then it'll be secure, and nobody will ever know what I'm doing. Ha! They open your mail, people. They've been opening your mail for a long time. Oh, well, they can't open everybody's mail. No, they can't open everybody's mail, but they can't, they can't read everybody's data either. That doesn't stop them from collecting it. Anyway, Piff and her boyfriend were arrested after he signed for the package while executing a search warrant. So here's how it goes. Somebody's sending you drugs in the mail. They intercept your mail, open your mail, find out, ooh, there's drugs in here. They repackage it up, call the cops, send it to your house. When you sign for a package that you may or may not know even what's in it, that is the excuse to execute a search warrant. Now, given what they found in the house, they probably knew what was in the package, okay, but I'm just saying, be careful when packages come to your house. If you don't know, well, what's this? I don't remember ordering anything, you know, of the uh, from here or anything. I, I didn't order anything. Why am I getting a package? You better think twice about signing it. Because the minute you sign it, regardless of what's in that package, now apparently you're held responsible as though you knew what was in that package. When you sign for it, you're basically saying, yes, I ordered this, I know what's in it, and I accept it. Whether you do or not, the authorities are going to look at it that way. So, folks, if you get packages that you don't know what this is, where this come from, who's sending me this stuff, I didn't order anything, uh... You better be real careful about signing for that stuff, whatever it is. Anyway, so when they did execute a search warrant on Pitha's home, officers also found large quantities of LSD, marijuana, cocaine, and heroin, and about $7,000 in counterfeit bills. According to police, their two children aged 5 and 10, had easy access to all the drugs and materials, even the bomb-making materials that were located in the back with the meth lab. Well, gee, uh, John McCain, Mr. Anti-Drug, are you kidding me? Really? Oh, wait, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, he ran for president. And the Republican Party, who's saying, well, Donald Trump can't beat Hillary, uh, this is the guy they put up to run against Obama? The one guy in the whole country that couldn't beat Obama? Oh, he's our guy. You go, John. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Folks, are you getting the picture now? By the behavior of the GOP, you should clearly see that Romney and McCain were nothing but stalking horses. They were nothing but straw men. They were nothing but, ah, somebody's got to go there. But we don't, we're not going to actually try to beat Obama. We're not going to actually try to beat Obama because, you know, uh, we made a deal. Now, Bill Kristol from the Republican neocon party is saying, oh, 
I'd rather see Hillary Clinton as president than Donald Trump. Of course he would. You know why? Because Hillary Clinton is a globalist. She might not be the kind of globalist Billy Crystal likes. Well, let me, let's not confuse the audience. I don't mean Billy Crystal, the uh, comedian. I mean Bill Crystal, okay? Neocon operative. You see him on TV. Yeah, he'd rather see Hillary Clinton. And it's only because she is a globalist. Yeah, she's not his kind of globalist. But you know what? Any, in their mind, any globalist is better than a non-globalist. Isn't it time we started taking care of America? Americans? I mean, here we got, well, we're going to have to cut... We're going to have to cut food stamps to anybody who ain't got a kid because, well, we just don't have the money. Sorry, you're all going to have to go hungry. Oh, but we can keep funding Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah, we can do that. We can keep giving corporations billions of dollars. Yeah, we can do that. We can have wars in 140 countries all around the world. Yeah, we can afford that, too. But we can't afford any food stamps for you. Isn't it time we started taking care of our own first? And you know what? The rest of the world ought to be glad that America's taken a step. They're all got their panties in a bundle about, oh, hey, what do you mean pay our fair share? Yeah, like pay your fair share, you bunch of leeches. Europe's been using the United States' military as their own little battering ram around the world for long enough. Pony up. And no, you can't have your own army, or we'll come and kill you. But if you want us to help you, you're going to pony up some cash. <laughs> I have uh, things ringing in the back. Anyway, just well enough, it's time to take a break anyhow, so we will do that, and we'll be back in a few.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's Wednesday, April 27, 2016. It's 1244 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if that's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the website. You'll see the chat link over on the left-hand side. You click on that, pick a name, pick a password, you're in there. You can participate or just socialize with the other folks in there. You can also contact me directly through Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. My email information is also on the website. You'll see it. If you want to do that, you can do that. Anyway, we're back. And uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Let's let the, you know, I think I was supposed to do something from last night. Oh yeah, the Tavistock thing. Well, plenty of time for that. 
Anyway, let's get to this first here, though, because this is something that's going on. The probability of the Federal Reserve hiking rates today is zero. So what about the rest of the year? Fed Chair Janet Yellen keeps telling the world that any further rate hikes will be data-dependent. Watch the numbers on wages, jobs, inflation, financial markets, and China. The rosier it looks, the more likely the Fed will raise rates. You know what, folks? The only problem is all the numbers on wages, jobs, inflation, financial markets, and China are all BS. Okay? They make them up. Are you kidding me? Jobs? Jobs? They say the unemployment rate is some insignificant little tiny number, when more likely it's around 35%. Are you kidding me? Wages? Oh, well, you know, oh, places have raised the minimum wage. Wages are, oh, everything's rosy, except the fact that now, where you used to be getting maybe, uh, say, 8 bucks an hour for a 40-hour week, well, now you're getting 8.50 an hour for a 20-hour week. Whee! Hey, guess what? You're making a lot less money. Oh, but your wages went up. Inflation? Really? Really? Is our inflation, does it seem to you like inflation's only 3%? Well, that's what they say. I don't know. I see things go up more than that. It's all a lie. So to say it's data-dependent, it's like, yeah, okay, fine, data-dependent, except you manipulate the data. You know, this is like figures don't lie and liars figure. This is the Federal Reserve System, okay? But there's one big factor this year that the Fed rarely mentions, and that's the U.S. presidential elections. The Fed has a lot of power over the economy and stock markets. How the economy fares could sway the election outcome. Former President George H.W. Bush pins his 1992 election loss on former Fed Chair Alan Greenspan. Well, that's not quite fair because, see, George Bush told the American people one thing to get elected. And he said, read my lips. No new taxes. But the minute that dirtbag got into office, he raised taxes. Okay? People didn't forget that. All right? People didn't forget that. It's like you lied straight to our face. And then you won, did, did exactly what you said you won. You specifically said, no new taxes, read my lips. We elected you. You stabbed us right in the forehead, not even in the back. That's why he lost. But raising rates too soon can also rattle the stock markets. Oh, we can't have that, can we? It can also crush consumer and business confidence. Any economic pullback would likely hurt a Democrat's chances to win the White House. That's the reason why Donald Trump has blasted the Fed for manipulating interest rates to help Obama. Put yelling bristles at any suggestion of such impropriety. Oh my gosh, 
we would never do that. Why, that would just be wrong. And, oh, we're so honest and we're so trustworthy here at the Federal Reserve. We would never do that. Oh, give me a break, you prostitute. Here's her quote. I have never seen political views in any way influence the policy judgments that are made inside the Federal Reserve. <laughs> yeah, okay. And if you did, you'd tell us, wouldn't you there, Miss Honesty? But the question remains, would the Yellen Fed, which is already cautious, pull the trigger to raise rates before Election Day? After April, five Fed meetings remain this year, June 15th, July 27th, September 21st, November 2nd, December 14th. Four of those occur before voters go to the polls. Beyond what Trump says, a lot of eyebrows were raised when Lael Brainyard, a member of the Fed's committee that sets interest rates, donated $2,700 to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. The Fed didn't comment on that. Huh. Now, Trump, in an interview with The Hill in the fall, accused Yellen of keeping rates low because Obama doesn't want to have a recession slash depression during his administration. Experts who watched The Fed for years or served on it say Trump is off on this one. Of course not. We would never do that. Really? Man, you know what? People can say what they want about Trump shooting from the hip and maybe being rude, crude, and socially unacceptable, but the fact is, he says whether it's true or not. And I think in a lot of times it is true. But he says the things that the American people have been thinking. They have suspected. And he's saying it out loud. It's like, hey, you know, I've been thinking that same thing. That's why he's winning all these states. That's why everybody's voting for him. Because he's saying things that the American people have been thinking. Of course, most of them are too cowardly to ever say it out loud. But now people are because, well, hey, now I can say it because Trump said it. Doesn't mean everything he says is, you know, right. But, hey, a lot of it is. Anyhow, for social media users, platforms such as Twitter, Fedbook, and others online sites to stay in touch with family, friends, share pictures, news, be an idiot. Um, but to the U.S. government, it's a place to collect and store information about users and to rank them and determine which list those users belong on. The red, the blue, the green. Over 20, uh, let's see. Um, uh, 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 okay, here we go. Um, the U.S. government's been putting citizens on list with those slated for the red list, being people which were deemed as enemies of globalism. 
and marked for termination. Well, you know what? Folks, if you're not an enemy of globalism, you might as well just commit suicide because that's what you're for. If you are for globalism, you are for suicide. The only problem with you, you see, because I don't really care if you commit suicide. If that's what you want to do, you go right ahead. The, the problem is, is when you want to bring everybody else with you. That's when I have a problem, and that's what globalism does. You know what? If globalism was such a darn good idea, why do they have to force people to do it? Listen, anytime you have to mandate anything, it's a bad idea. Because you know what? If it was a good idea, people wouldn't have to have it mandated. They would do it anyway. Well, gee, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. That's a great idea. I'm doing that. People don't have to be forced to do good ideas. They keep saying, well, hey, this is a great idea. Everybody looks at it and says, no, nah, no thanks. Hey, this is such a great idea that we're going to force you all to do it. It's like vaccinations. Okay, listen, man, if it was such a great idea and it had such health benefits for people, why do you have to force people to do it? Taxes? Hey, we all love our country, right? If you were being responsible and doing the right thing with the money, why do you have to force people to contribute if it's such a good idea? Huh? See, you catching the drift here? Anytime anybody has to force somebody to do something, it's not a good idea. It's not in their best interest, because if it was, they wouldn't have to be forced. Hey, even an idiot knows when something is for its own benefit. Hey, this is good for me. I'm doing it. And, likewise, even an idiot knows, hey, this is not good for me. I'm not doing it. Oh, you are doing it. We're forcing you to do it because we say it's a good idea. Red listers are the people that would not comply to a complete police state, would not give up their weapons, would, would lead a rebellion. People like our nation's veterans, gun owners, constitutional preppers, survivalists, all other that Obama administration is targeted as extremists, calling them dangerous, and associating them with potential domestic terrorism. Yeah, okay, well, you know what? Who cares? I got a list, too. See, the government thinks they're the only one with a list? No, you're not the only one with a list. I have a list. How about you all out there? What do you say we all start making our own lists? Hmm? Let's start making our own list. Yeah, but let's put red, blue, green. Let's get some pretty colors and start going through our, uh, I know, our elected officials. And let's start putting them in categories. Hey, you're on the red list, Pally. Oh, yeah, when this whole thing goes down, we're coming to look for you. We got a nice hole in the ground all set for you. Oh, and you on the, uh, you know, yellow list? Well, we're going to have a little talk with you. You've got some, uh, yeah, you got a little payment that is due. And we're going to take it out of your hide. You know, in green, let's say you go in peace. Let's make our own lists. Let's start putting the elected officials on there, huh? Let's do that. Because you know what? If the government can have a list 
and start saying, well, you're dangerous and you're that and you are and you're not and you kind are, well then, hey, we're allowed to do that too then. Because listen, folks, read your constitution of your state. Even the federal constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all of it. All the authority and power that the state on any level has comes from the people. And guess what? The people cannot give authority that they do not possess themselves. So if the government is allowed to make lists and put people on there and say, well, okay, you're a dangerous person, we're putting you on the list. Oh, you know, hey, you know what? I got a, I got a FOIA when I, I, I FOIA'd about, hey, what about these executive orders saying you're going to take over this and you take over that, take over food, take over transportation, take over this and that and the other thing? Well, what's the, what's the deal with all that? I got an answer finally, and they told me that, oh, it's okay. It's really okay because those executive orders don't actually say that, you know, they don't order anything to be done except to make plans to take over transportation, to make plans to take over all the food, to take, make plans. Oh, Oh, so that's okay. All right, it's okay to make plans to violate the Constitution and everybody's rights. Okay, so that must mean it's okay for me to make plans to rob a bank, right? To make plans to what I'm going to do to the people on the red list that I made up. Right? It's okay. No, it's not okay. You see, it's not okay because if we start making plans... To violate the law, uh, you see, they consider that a crime. Oh, but not for them. Folks, they are totally out of control, and I will end this show as I plan on ending all the shows from now on with the simple fact that the federal government of the United States needs to go away. It needs to be destroyed. Now, that doesn't mean your state government... You know, uh, they'd get the message, I'm sure, to straighten up and fly right if, if that ever came about. But that's the only way it's going to come about, folks, is to work through your states. I'm serious, folks. We're not going to ever get together a million-man army and go attack Washington, D.C. and get rid of it. That wouldn't get rid of it anyway. They got tentacles into every state. That's what needs to be cut off. And you can only do that through your state. So, anyway, I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is Financial Survival. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Never don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2016. Wendy Wilson will be here in just a few short minutes. We're going to first do the market report. And um, gold was up a few bucks uh, uh, most of the day. There was a weaker dollar waiting for the Fed to come out and give us their little song and pony dance or whatever you want to call it. But right now, gold is up 260, 260 for gold at 1246. We had a high of 1254. Right now, 124690, 12490 for gold. Silver's up eight at $17.31. Platinum is up 13 at 1030. Palladium is up seven at $615. The USDX today, down 0.03 at 94.48. Crude oil's up another 1.27 at 45.31. Paper markets, again, enjoyed her lack of comments, I suppose, (laughs) from Janet Yellen. We have the Dow up 51 points at 18,041. The NASDAQ was down 25 at 48.63 with the S&P up 3, 2,095. 10-year yield, 186, a little pressure on that, 0.09 to the downside. Euro is carrying 113, up 0.14. And we'll keep the opening short today as we have Wendy Wilson joining us from Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. Hi, good afternoon, Melody. Is Al with you? Yes, yeah. I am. 
Well, hey, did howdy there, Al. Been, did you think I'd been beamed up by the space aliens or something? Oh, anything's possible this day and age. Nothing that surprised mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought we'd talk about why science is wrong, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to the scientific journals. Uh, you know, a uh, few people would think, you know, to challenge any of the scientific uh, journals today, you know, because this is published data. This is prestigious. It has to be correct, right? Well, uh, there's people investigating these journal articles. Now, these are the articles your doctors read and act on regarding patient care and treatment recommendations. So, but it doesn't surprise me that scientists, aren't investigating a lot of these journal articles, but investigative writers are. Pascal Gobri, he's a Paris writer specializing in ethics and public policy reporting. He's written a couple of articles for Forbes, The Atlantic, uh, Commentary Magazine, The Federalist, and so on. Uh, but he pointed me to a story in, by a California software engineer and also an author and writer, William Wilson, no relation to me, by the way, and in Wilson's article, it appears in the 2016 issue of Scientific Regress, and he states, the problem with science is that so much of it simply isn't science, end of quote. So he's reporting that the research in their articles, in the journal articles, he says their studies should be easily duplicated to confirm their results. So the problem is many of them are fraudulent from start to finish. And according to Wilson, experiments from prestigious journals in various fields make scientific claims, uh, well, they ought to be verified before they're published. However, if you're reconducting these experiments under nearly identical conditions, they should yield the same results. Uh, And if no one is systematically checking, well, to see if they can verify the claims, then all these lies are becoming scientific truth, he says. And he says that's exactly what's happening. So he says, for instance, in the field of psychology, the reports there in the journals are 65%, have a 65% failure rate. Uh, And he says it gets worse in the medical research area. Uh, For instance, he says there's this unspoken rule in the pharmaceutical industry that 50% of all the academic biomedical research will ultimately prove false. 50%. Well, I, you know, you have a certain amount of prestige that's associated with science in general and with these journals in particular. Yep. But the truth of the matter is science is constantly in a state of correcting itself and correcting itself and correcting itself. It's only rarely that anyone produces anything in science that stands up for a lengthy period of time. Okay. New well, science let's... is constantly replacing old science, and maybe it's, Maybe we have to take it all with a grain of salt. Well, for instance, if you look in your oncology area of cancer, your uh, your chemotherapy has a 100% mortality rate. They already know that. Doctors know that. Uh, they'll even admit it sometimes to patients, but this is the only thing we have to treat you with. So, but that got approved. You know, that, that got approved as, you know, having some sort of benefit. Uh, you know, because when we look at these, uh, drug discovery projects, such as the ones that deal with cancer research, uh, there's researchers now from Bayer. They found 75% of the published studies could not be verified with study duplication. So when the cancer studies are read by oncologists in the journals of Science, Nature, and Cell, 
Now, these are prestigious journals, but they're producing fraud, uh, fraudulent studies that can't be, uh, can't be verified. So cancer patients need to think about that when they talk to their doctors, their oncologists, whether they've been influenced by bogus scientific research and the recommended treatments. So uh, I don't have a problem calling this quackery, but Wilson calls, says it this way. He says, we're drowning in bad studies. That's but bad. But you know what, what, what the crosses my mind are, are these magazines interested in publishing the truth? Because this goes to the editors of the magazine. Yeah, I'm going to get and to that. Meaning that they would find good scientists to write these articles, or are they looking for good writers? Well, you and you my have, drift. They want yep. articles that are easy to read and, and popular with the public, or at least with their, with, their, with their subscribers, or do they want the truth from scientists who might not be particularly adept at writing, but nevertheless are good at gathering truth? Yeah, we're, Wilson gets into that, uh, all of that, actually. He, and, you know, the Bayer research folks think that all this bogus research could be the reason why there's a reduction in the availability of new drugs and why so many drugs on the market are failing. I think it's worse than that. I think a lot of these drugs are killing people. And by the time, you know, it goes to courts and there's lawsuits, you know, the drug companies have made more than enough to compensate for paying uh, any kind of uh, legal, uh, you know, fines. Uh, but basically, according to now John Leonis, now he's a professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, he says, the accuracy in which an experiment can be determined truth or falsehood is about 50% at best. And uh, Leonis says... Um, the ability to control a scientific setting and all these fields of medicine, he says, isn't very favorable. And to be supported by real statistical evidence, uh, he puts it this way, a majority of the studies have a 50% chance of being truthful, but it would require unimaginable accuracy on the side of the scientists. That's an incredible statement. Well, it sounds just like economics. Nobody knows what's really going on there either. I mean, the people well, in control, they don't know what's going on. They're, well, let's try this. <laughs> I mean, it's just an article. Let's try this. We'll try what negative interest rates. We haven't done that yet. This is like a doctor saying, hey, let's, let's try the stuff in the green jar. We'll give them a shot of that and see if that helps. Oh, my God. You know, well, you know, sci well, science in general has this rule in research. It's, it, it goes by this one in 20 is an acceptable rate for false positives. So this measurement would lead the scientific fields to accept false hypotheses as true a minimum of at least 5% of the time. And then you get this snowball effect where uh, a false is considered true, and then the future studies working off that false assumption, and then their results are supposed to be true, so it generates more false data speculated to be true. Uh, and, you know, even if a science t scientist catches this along the way, discovers the discrepancy, there's really no glory grant funding or tenure with research that is failing or false. So drug companies run into this paradox all the time. They spend millions of money uh, researching cost of the new drug, and they're losing millions a day waiting for the FDA to approve it. So the stakes are pretty high. And so, uh, you know, saying something's good when it's not, you know, it's just it's, it's going to pay off in the end. Um, a good example, uh, Hollywood did a, a take on that. It was called The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, uh, where he played a doctor and there, uh, he was involved in some fictitious medication called Provazic that was supposedly producing liver damage and it was being covered up. So who's imitating who is a good question. But... Um, 
the publication world, getting back to your question, very competitive, especially in the scientific journal area. And they're not exempt from publishing the latest and greatest in their industry. Um, and if the chances are any given hypothesis is going to be false and producing no real findings, uh, you have to conclude that, you know, failed research is being written up the majority of the time as being truth so they can publish something and sell it to their subscribers, as you were saying. So well, They're looking for something sensational rather than truth. And they're saying, the oh, we've got something here, mushrooms. Yeah. All right, we've, got, we've, we've extracted some stuff from mushrooms that will cure cancer. Right. Well, this is sensationalism rather than science. Or you know, something from jellyfish, you know, will help yeah. your your brain. Uh, well, you know, you know, know what goes good with jellyfish is peanut butter, but go ahead. Well, a little fudging, though, in the scientific world is, is going to mean the difference between life and death down the road. Uh, so how much of it is accidental human error? How much of it is intentional fraud is what these investigative writers have been finding out. And what they say is that most of it has become intentional fraud. Therefore, dishonest people can manufacture any result they want because the raw data is never revealed or reanalyzed. So even if the raw data, raw data was available, who's going to take the time to sift through it all? It's sort of like, you know, showing up to your closing at your house and, you, and you're going to sit there and read all the documents before you sign the line and get your key. So um, I don't really give too much credit then to the peer review process because that's supposed to be a catch-all for this. And apparently, um, you know, bad news is uh, on a trial data showing no findings to support the hypothesis. Well, that gets the messenger shot in this industry, basically. So, uh, so, so the peer review people are going to shut their mouth because they're intimidated to do so. And so, and then you would think, well, here's the seasoned researchers, Al. You know, what's with them? Don't they think twice about signing on as senior authors to some of this stuff? Because um, they're lending the credibility of their prestigious name to the study. And, of course, people in the study want it because it gives the study credibility and they can get the funding. But the more you read about what they find is it looks like a good old boys club. The senior authors have a lot of control over editorial and advisory boards of journal publications and universities where the government drops most of its funding. So no wonder the editors of journals are publishing junk. Think about it. Where do we find the truth? <laughs> well, Wilson boils it down to this. Science isn't immune to human elements of its enterprise, which are incompetence, fraud, selfishness, prejudice, greed, and human error. So it makes science vulnerable, he says, to becoming nothing more than a cult and their research being entered into the library of Babel. Interesting comment. Yeah, I get it. I get uh -huh. it. But, I mean, we've, we are surrounded by that. And part yeah. of the reason, I think, is because we have so much information. There's so much flying around that who can say what's true and what's false? And it's a problem. There was a time 50 years ago... They didn't have this much research. They didn't have this volume. It was not a haystack of research. And when you get that, who can duplicate? Who has time to duplicate somebody else's research? Find out if he knows what he's talking about. All right. Well, and, you know, I, I tell people, do your homework on everything that's recommended that you do as far as treatments. Uh, always ask if it's going to make you stronger or more dependent and weak. Uh, I think we should be wise and have discernment on this and, and judge everything, because otherwise, why would you need to ask God for wisdom and discernment? Um, you know, otherwise, it's sort of like going about your health care as pin the tail on the donkey. 
So I'm like, uh, I always ask a lot of questions, and, and sometimes I irritate doctors when I ask a lot of questions. It's just like, you know, trying to talk to the government. You know, they just don't want to volunteer information. But, mm-hmm. you know, God said herbs are here for the healing of the nations and for the service of man. And unlike the scientists uh, in these studies, God cannot lie. So I guess it comes down to who do you believe, science or creation? I think you're getting to a point here where you have to you have to consider, maybe you have to go back and look at what has worked for the past 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. Do we know things that have actually worked for a long period of time, and can we rely on those things? Or are the new medicines, are they whiz-bang and so much better and faster and stronger that we've got to go with whatever came out just this last week? Well, I think a lot of it is people are just really um, uh, want instantaneous results. Um, it used to be these herbs for uh, serious infections and illnesses, they did work, but you, you had to work with them. Sometimes you would have to convalesce for, like, say, a month, and people just can't afford to do that. Mm. So the trade-off is, uh, you know, toxic chemicals. And, you know, in the long run, it doesn't do you any favors. So I think, we, again, we have to weigh, you know, the benefits and the cost using that wisdom and discernment and see what we're going to well, do. And there's one other point. The kind of research that we're talking about in these, in these journals, they are going to deal with treating symptoms. Right. To establish disease. And if we can't rely on this, it implies that what we have to look for is we try to educate ourselves on how to prevent the disease rather right. than deal with it after we've got it. If you, you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, prevention, pound, you know, it's a cure, you know, pound of prevention, you know, yeah. a little bit of prevention is a pound of cure. As the old saying, it is so true. Grandma was right. Chicken noodle soup had garlic in it. It was broad spectrum for viruses and colds and flu bugs. So, yeah, that's why chicken noodle soup helps you feel better. Uh, yeah, a lot of these old things work, and it's got a long track record. And if people would like to learn more, we do have a free product catalog. They can call us toll-free to get one, 866-229-3663, or they can visit our website, thepowerherbs.com. Thanks. Hi, Wendy. Thank you. Appreciate the information. Apparently, (laughs) that's that's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com at 866-229-3663. And I'm learning for the first time that the the real effectiveness of chicken soup is garlic. So perhaps they should have called it garlic soup, but nobody would want to take that. They would say, chicken soup, yeah, I'm, feel, I'm not feeling very good, but I'll take some chicken soup. No garlic soup, thanks very much. Uh, we're going to take a break, get a couple of commercials. Bill, Wendy and I, Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control 
with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adams, here on Financial Survival with co-host Melody Cedarstrom. Programs brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188. For all your gold and silver coin needs, what's next, Melody? Can Trump beat Hillary? Well? What do you think? Looks like that's pretty much after last night's primaries. It looks like... uh, Maybe that's what we're. That's what might come out of the convention if he gets his points and she gets hers. I think he certainly. I think he deserves to win. And I, you know, I've I've got an article here from Political Playbook, and the headline is "82 Days to Republican Party National Convention in Cleveland: Trump Likely to Clinch." Uh, so last night, after winning each of five Arcella primary states by 29 or more points. Donald Trump said, as far as I'm concerned, it's over. I consider myself the presumptive nominee. Absolutely. He's right. Next week's Indiana primary will be Ted Cruz's last stand. To the pundits who will try to infuse that primary with melodrama and cosmic significance, good luck. Trump won Connecticut by 29 points, Delaware by 40 points, Maryland by 31, Pennsylvania by 35, Rhode Island by 39. 
<laughs> I think the voters are trying to tell us something. And here's another part of the, there's more from political. It says a Republican insider laments that even with conservative calculations, he now produces, he now predicts that Trump will cross the magic number of 1,237 delegates to win on the first ballot at Cleveland. I hope he does. The dominoes are falling and you can't stop them. Kasich is staying, Kasich staying in the race was an in-kind contribution to Trump. It blocked Cruz from ever getting his one-on-one shot. Now, that's interesting, because Kasich and Cruz were trying to work together to sandbag Trump, and it turns out that maybe keeping Kasich around ultimately stopped Cruz, who was the only one who had a shot at defeating Trump. It it may have blocked him from actually succeeding. You know, in order to solve problems, and, and part of this goes to Trump's sometime stupidity, his off-the-cuff remarks, gets him into trouble and the rest of it, but he's at least trying to be honest. And I think that's one of the things that draws people to him. In order to solve problems, businessmen have to tell the truth at least to themselves. They have to have the courage to see and solve problems because if they don't, the problems will destroy their business and leave the businessman broke. Businessmen don't have, I'm not arguing they have to be ethical or moral, but they have to be objective and honest and capable of dealing with reality. When politicians confront problems, they get paid regardless of whether the problem is solved or not. Their object is not to solve problems, but to get reelected. Therefore, politicians' primary objective is to avoid antagonizing any special interest groups that are likely to vote in, uh, for, for or against the politicians. Now, how do politicians confront problems, which typically represent conflicts between two special interest groups? How do they do that without offending either special interest? They lie, all right? They refuse to admit the truth. They try to blame some insignificant third party for, uh, or, or, or promise to get free money from the government to paper over the problem without holding either of the special interests responsible. And what I'm trying to get to is politicians have a natural tendency to lie more so than businessmen. They get to high positions of high political power by based in large measure on their on their ability to lie convincingly. And I'm not arguing that businessmen are always honest, but they've got to be honest at least with themselves if they're going to succeed. They've got to deal with reality. Politicians don't have to deal with the same reality as businessmen. When you watch President Obama speak or you, or you, or, or you see uh, Ted Cruz speak, do you get the impression that either one of them is trying to tell the truth? Or do you see the gears grinding in their head as they try to answer every question in a way that might not tell the truth but will definitely not offend any significant special interest group? There's always calculation. I don't see calculation with Trump. Trump is a businessman. He's been plugged into reality for most of his life. Whenever he failed to see or admit the truth, he lost money, and maybe even had to file bankruptcy. Trump has been conditioned by his life experience to call a spade a spade. He's not politically correct precisely because he's not a good liar. I'm not arguing he never lie. I'm not arguing he's moral, ethical, any of that. I'm just saying it's not his nature as a businessman to tell lies the same way you do as a politician. Um, from the way Trump comes off 
He sounds like he's almost compulsive about saying whatever it is that he thinks is true. As a result, he says some very stupid things. But the public doesn't seem to mind because they understand that right or wrong, Trump is trying to tell the truth as he sees it. And it's been a long time since we've had a candidate for high office that impressed the American people with the idea that he was determined to try to tell the truth. And, and he was not simply calculating every statement. Again, I'm not saying business and businessmen in general or Trump in particular are ethical or moral. I'm just saying that business takes place in the real world and thereby forces businessmen to face and deal with truth or go broke. I'm not saying that I will like everything Trump will do if he's elected president, but I am saying that it will be a refreshing change to have someone in office who is, one, not prone to lie, and two, not prone to commit treason and help destroy this country. Trump deserves to win in November. He deserves to win the election if only because he's injected an element of honesty into the primary election that has shocked the Republican establishment and electrified the American people. Trump should be rewarded with a victory in, 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 in November, if only to show future generations of political candidates that they can be elected even if they're not pathological liars. All right, we can elect Trump. He's an honest or semi-honest man, or it comes off trying to be honest, and it might turn out to be a disastrous presidency. Well, still, he's setting an example for whoever's running four years later, and people are going to realize, you know, the public likes honesty. We haven't had it for so long that we want, we want it. We're hungry for it. Trump's delivering on that for that reason, to my mind. He deserves to win. And certainly Hillary. I mean, I, 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 with the offenses that she's alleged to have committed and been involved in, and everything about her, right? what part of her seems ethical, honest, moral? Is there anything there, or is she just sharp and shrewd and shifty? God help this country if we elect Hillary. And not just on the basis of whether she's competent to be president or not. But is she morally competent to be the leader of this country and or the free world? Is that something? Is that something that anyone can argue? I mean, she's cut from the same cloth as Ted Cruz and Barack Obama and George Bush. Hustlers and Connors and Bill Clinton. Trump's not cut from that cloth. And all by itself, that's reason to think seriously about electing him. Who are you voting for, Melody? It's private. Private. It's private. Well, it still amazes me that Hillary has gotten this far, because you're right. I mean, with, with everything that has clung to her, whether she did or didn't, even if you took 10% of what she's been accused of over the years, it's Normally, if someone had had her type of record, she wouldn't even made the announcement of a candidacy because there was just. And here she shameless. is, just shameless. And here she what is. She is. Everybody yeah. knows what she is, and she doesn't care. She's run for president. And nobody, it's not even shameless. Just she doesn't care. Nobody else does either. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. And it's, so, it's, it's, it's something it's, about this country that's not good. 
we have to regain some semblance of ethics in this country. And there's some things that we just should say, look, we're not going to elect a crook to office. We had Nixon back in office back in the day, and at one point he said, your president is not a crook. Hillary doesn't even, in a sense, deny it. She just ignores the allegations, the implications, the inferences, whatever. She just goes on and does whatever it is she thinks she's going to do. And a significant portion of the public just says, yay, Hillary. Well, she even got, I can't remember her exact position during Nixon, but she was kicked off the, when, when she was an attorney, she got kicked off the, I don't know, because they, they, they needed somebody honest on there. They were telling her then that she was dishonest. Yep. And I can't remember exactly her title role and so forth off the cuff, but. She was involved. I don't know if we're talking about the same thing, but she was involved in the defense of the Black Panthers, if I recall correctly, and I might not. Uh, and that may not be the, the legal situation the you're talking about. I didn't think it was, but no. uh, it just But still, up. I mean, back then she was viewed as being dishonest. No, no. So it truly does, it has baffled me that she has gotten this far, which takes the question off the table there's a possibility she might very well be president. Yeah, I know. I understand. And you know how we could guarantee Obama could guarantee her election? All he has to do is pass an executive order that lets all the convicted criminals vote because they'd all be in favor of Hillary. You know, we'd have all the former convicted felons. Um, we could have recruiting drives. Voter registration drives right there in the slammer. What do you think, Melody? No, An idea whose time has come? Maybe. I think the time has come to... What else do we got? Oh, we got the Greek, the, the never-ending story. Here's an article from Reuters. The headline is Eurozone. More time needed for Greek reform. Zippers to seek EU summit. They've been at this for six years. They understand that, oh, they need more time. The article says Eurozone finance ministers will will not meet on Thursday and need more time to discuss Greek reforms that would unlock new loans, (laughs) signaling significant differences remain between Athens and its lenders on bailout targets. Oh, my God. You know, this is one of those things. Signaling, signaling different significant differences. Monk. What they're signaling is in this never-ending story is that Greece will never be both willing and able to repay its debts. What they're signaling is that the European Union creditors refuse to face reality. Greece is broke. It's bankrupt. Greece should be allowed to file for bankruptcy. The Greek debt should be written off, and Greece should be allowed to rebuild its economy if they care to without more European Union loans without more IMF loans, and without existing IMF debt obligations. What they're signaling is the creditors refusal to admit that what can't be paid won't be paid. They're dragging this on six years. The meeting was a possibility because Athens and its European Union and IMF lenders aimed to reach an agreement this week on reforms needed to conclude a key review of the country's bailout progress that would unlock funds under a multi-million euro bailout package it signed up in July. Okay, we're trying to get the money. The Greeks are playing along. They want more free money. Come on, lend us some more money. That's what the Greeks are saying. The creditors are saying, uh-uh, 
you got to pay us some of what you already owe us. And you need to make reforms so you can. Greece is not eager to make the reforms. The creditors are not easily, are e- they're not eager to write off the debt, and so they sit there glaring at each other. The creditors are predators, in my opinion. They're trying to hustle Greece into assuming that, for example, Greece and its creditors agreed on a package of reforms worth 3% of Greece's economic output. They want 3% of whatever Greece generates, its GDP is supposed to go to these creditors. All right? And Greece doesn't want to do that. I don't know if they can do it. They certainly don't want to do it. But they disagreed on contingent measures to be implemented only if if needed to make sure that the country reaches its fiscal, its agreed fiscal targets in 2018. You know, this is just one of those things. You sit there and you laugh at it. And again, from my perspective, the Greece and its creditors and the IMF, they deserve each other. The creditors are predators. They're trying to say, you need to agree to go into bondage and be our little serfs and servants. And the Greeks are parasites. They say, you need to agree to give us more free money. They're both trying to exploit each other. Creditors want Greece to agree to be their their debtor servants. Greeks want more free loans that they'll never repay. It's a lose-lose relationship where both sides, refusing to lose anything more, will ultimately lose a lot. From my perspective, a pox on both their houses. I say let the predator creditors admit they were stupid to lend all that money to Greece in the first place. They should have known, you know, it's like it's like giving beer to a teenage kid in a car. All right, look, teenagers can't drive drunk. And if you're dumb enough to give them beer in the car, you can't blame the teenager for having a wreck. Right? And that's what the creditors did. They gave money to people they should have known would never be able to pay it back. They were stupid to give all that money to Greece in the first place. Let the Greek parasites, meaning the Greek government, file for bankruptcy and admit that if they want to rebuild the country, they'll have to do so on their own and without additional loans. Neither side wants to face the truth. Both sides want to exploit each other to heck with both of them. Understand? The article continues. It says a swift, comprehensive deal would also pave the way for talks on debt relief. They're looking for a swift, comprehensive deal after six years. This has been going on. Now they want a swift, comprehensive deal. It's never going to happen. And, and they want debt relief, which means the Greek parasites want to write off more of the remaining debt. They've already written off at least 50% of the original debt. All right. And now they want to write, and, and, and they still want, it's not just now they want more debt relief, they've wanted it all along. They want the creditors to write off more of the debt. The creditors, of course, are refusing to write off the balance of the Greek debt and are insisting that the Greeks repay the remainder. And they are, there's, the article continues, which Athens hopes, and they're talking about debt relief, will restore investor confidence. Okay. The Indian government of Greece wants to restore investor confidence. Why do they want that? They want investors to think it's, it's okay now to invest with Greece. You can send us your money and scouts on her. You can count on us to repay the debt. No, you can't. 
They need to restore investor confidence because they want more free money to stimulate their economy. But why restore investor confidence? So some fools will lend more money to Greece, which Greece, again, will never repay. You can bet on it. And the sentence goes on and says, and convince Greeks that their sacrifices are paying off after six years of austerity. Greek government. Oh, we're under the break time, aren't we? Well, we'll get back to that. We'll, we'll touch on this again when we return from our break. I'm watching the clock. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. We'll be back and finish talking about Greece in just a moment. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three W's.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. Just want to finish up a couple comments on Greece. We have a caller who's been waiting quite a while. I didn't see the I didn't see the note, and he was there. We'll get to you in just a minute, Jerry from where Indiana. Indiana. Okay, Jerry, we'll get to you in just a moment. Just talking about Greece, and again, this is like the never-ending story. It goes on and on and on, and it's got two sides of the story, and they're both idiots. The creditors are idiots, and Greece are idiots, <laughs> and 
we got the predators on the one hand and the parasites on the other hand, and they're locked in this deadly embrace while they do this dance trying to figure out how to exploit the other guy more than they're being exploited. And the solution to the problem is, as I've said for probably a couple of years, just let Greece file for bankruptcy. Write off the existing debt, let Greece work its way out of its current situation without carrying the debt burden that they can't pay anyway, and to let the creditors take it as a lesson you can't lend your money to idiots. They made a subprime loan. All right, They knew Greece couldn't repay or they should have known. It was a subprime loan. They got stuck by the subprime borrowers, and they're, bl- they're, they're, they're complaining. The creditors enabled the subprime borrowers. They shouldn't have loaned to them in the first place, or at least not to the extent that they, that they were involved. And the Greece, they should have been more responsible. And uh, the whole thing is just a convention of fools trying to fool each other into giving them something for nothing. Uh, file for bankruptcy, dig yourself out of the hole, and it's a lesson for all of us. We are going to face similar problems. And there's going to be politicians and institutions that want to put the American people deeper into debt and deeper into bondage. And you need to understand that the solution when we get to that problem will be bankruptcy. It will not be, oh, gee, let's, we've made our promises. Even though as stupid as they may have been, we made promises. We're going to work until we fall down dead in order to try to pay off a debt that can't be repaid. Just face the truth. The debt can't be repaid file for bankruptcy, zeroed out, it'll be painful, it won't be fun, it won't be pleasant, but once we're zeroed out, then we'll go through a difficult couple of years, and then we can start rebuilding this country again. We've got Jerry from Indiana, if he's still holding on the line. Jerry, are you there? Hey, Al. Hey, Melody. How's it going? Good. Just great. What you got for us? I just wanted to give well, I just wanted to give you a little update, what's going on here. You've got uh, uh, Ted Cruz running attack ads against Trump, about five to one, I'd say. And then you've got an ad from Trump with his son that's pretty pretty classy, really. But I just, you know, I called to see what, you know, what your input is. Do you really think that Cruz... Hooking up with Kasich does him justice. I, I think, think he they cut thought, his own play. I think mm-hmm. he did. I think yeah. it, it, it looks now that it turned out to be a, a big mistake. Because as they're pointing out, as they pointed out in the article I was reading from, it prevented Cruz from ever going one-on-one with Trump. And he might have had a chance to defeat Trump if he'd gone one-on-one. You know, People were concerned that Kasich was taking votes away from Trump. He was taking votes away from Cruz also. And in the end, he didn't help Trump on one level, but he did a lot of harm to Kasich, or or, excuse me, to Cruz. Well, well, what surprised me was Cruz came in last. Kasich had more better numbers than Cruz did in all the five states from last night. Well, I'm, I'm, I, it looks to me like Cruz is finished, and I'm sure other people would agree. And he did, one happen. thing I have to handle, Cruz, he did try to get one-on-one, one-on-one interviews and little debates with Trump, and Trump would never do it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, you know, I don't doubt that Cruz... And I'm not defending Cruz. No, I understand, but I don't doubt that Cruz is slicker than Trump. 
I don't doubt that on one-on-one debates, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Cruz could have made Trump look a little bit stupid. No, I don't. Right? I don't know. But I don't think he can make Trump look dishonest. And from my perspective, Cruz just same same just just another version of Hillary Clinton, just in it for himself. Yeah, and uh, what was the opinion? And what's the opinion in Indiana, Jerry? Well, I was just getting ready to tell you guys that uh, I've been watching a few polls. I really don't believe in them much. Uh, one poll has got uh, Trump 39%, Cruz at 33%. But then I look at another one that's got Trump 70%. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if that's true either. I mean, how do you know? I'm just a lay person out here trying to watch all this. But. Uh, you know, this. here's my take, what little of a take it is. You know, you, you've got Trump blowing off every now and again, you know, on some issues that are just point blank thrown at him, you know, to try to catch him off guard, in my opinion. But his main core focus has not changed. Immigration, uh, let's put a tariff on these goods coming back to America. Let's, let's save our jobs. Let's go after China. Now he's talking about let's let's go after the countries that we've helped, like Saudi Arabia. And uh, I think the people like myself, I, I had my mind made up a long time ago that I'm going to support Trump because he's a real outsider. Yeah. And how? And, and this is what I and I want to hear your opinion on this too, but. Uh, for example, Cruz is still saying that he's non-establishment, but he's encamped himself with the Bush family now, yeah. Romney, and uh, now for, of course, I don't know anything about Carly Fiorina. Uh, that, he, he named her today as his running mate, but uh, Cruz how can you be establishment, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, I just wanted to get your take on it. My take on it is he took a million dollars to support his bid for the Senate back for, uh, back in the day from Wall Street. All right? One of the big banks, I don't remember, was Bank of America or it was Jamie Dimon or who handed him the oh, dollars. Oh, he picked up a million dollars, is my understanding. And then he neglected to report it on one of his, on one of his, he forgot. Understand? He is he is a hustler. He is a, a dangerously ambitious man, and I've thought so from the beginning. I wouldn't. I would vote. Good God, I would vote for a lesbian Democrat probably before I would vote for Cruz. Now I, I tend to be on the conservative end of the political spectrum. I'm not fooled by the idea that he runs as a Republican. At least I don't think I'm fooled by it. Who knows? Maybe I am, but uh, um, I wouldn't trust Trump. Or excuse me, I wouldn't trust Cruz no matter what happens. Trump, Trump is a, you know, he's a hand grenade. You know, he's a hand grenade in the foxhole. And then somebody's pulled the pin, and now we're trying to get the pin back in there. And I'm not sure if we're going to get it in or we're going to get it out. But Trump, again, impresses me at least trying to be honest. He's not calculating. In the sense that, you know, Cruz... Everything you ask him a question, you can see the world, the, 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 the wheels turning as he's adjusting whatever it is he's going to say. 
<laughs> to avoid offending any significance. He's not telling you the truth. He's telling you what will get him elected. Right. And it's well, I, I wanted to pull something else out here to let you guys know that uh, the uh, old IU coach, Bobby Knight, is in Trump's corner now. And, you know, whatever you think of Bobby Knight, he was a winner when he was yep. a coach. I don't agree with a lot of the things, you know, a lot of the controversy and all that, but he got results. I think Trump gets results. I think that pushes him over the top in here in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, Bobby Knight uh, to Indiana people is uh, an icon. And, uh, yeah. I just, and I, I'm going to leave you guys with that. And uh, Melody and uh, Al, I sure appreciate your program. Uh, well, we appreciate your call. Thank you, Jerry. Yep. Thank Look forward you. to hearing from you again, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you know if Bobby Knight is going to stand up and speak out for Trump, you know, it's, he's going to carry another couple of percent of the people of Indiana are going to say, okay, if he's, it's all right with Bobby, it's all right with me. He's not going to necessarily win the primary. That, that support isn't going to win it for Trump necessarily, but it's going to help win it. You know, maybe a percent. Who knows? Another percent. Um, I... You know, I'm sure I have been just hugely disappointed. I haven't seen a president since Reagan <laughs> that that's pleased me, and I was in favor of a couple of them when they were running for office. And I've still been aggravated, annoyed, and, and felt betrayed by him, particularly G.W. Bush and Barack Obama. Huh? I'm going to be surprised. If you can elect anybody to the White House, <laughs> that won't be a little bit disappointing. All right? But I'm going to be pleased if that's all they are is a little bit. All right? I can live with a little bit. I can't live with, oh, my God, George W. Bush. You know, he started out saying everything I thought was sensible. And yet it turned out he wasn't that. What he said and what he did, two different things. Barack Obama. I actually thought, you know, all right, let's try. Let's see, you know, let's, let's do this. This guy is, from my perspective, just treasonous. And so is Bush. So who knows? I'm not going to be surprised if I'm disappointed by Trump. But I am still hopeful that I won't be very disappointed. And maybe that's the best we can hope for. Well, you know, you, well, you're going to get you're, the voting for the candidate who is the your least choices, Your choices, uh, I hope the third time's the charm, Al, since <laughs> your other two choices before. <laughs> I understand. I hope the third time's the charm. I, 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 I can say that uh, uh, I wasn't supporting Bush or Obama, but uh, and I didn't think much would come out of them. So third time's the charm, Al. Well, maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. Um, you know, it's it, you know, I know I sound cynical on the program, but I get into these things and I actually feel optimistic about these. I was optimistic about Bush. I was optimistic about Obama when he, when he first came into office. I said, well, all right, you know, I'm, you know, I thought this was maybe going to be a good thing. No, no, no. This was a disaster. I have to maybe get rid of my optimism, Melody, and just say, look. I'm going to get myself a robe and one of those sandwich signs on it. The end is near, all right? It's all doom and gloom, and the whole thing is going to blow up in everybody's face. It's not the way I feel, all right? 
I'm actually hopeful that we can maybe work our way out of this, but I'm always I'm hopeful, Al. I'm always, I'm always hopeful, but then there's reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you take a peek at reality, that kind of, you know, uh, again, it's difficult to see where that change can support the hope, you know, yeah, when you view the reality of things. I, I think it's... reality has to happen first. Then there could be lots of hope and, and so forth. And the hope is things that people can do to get ready is to understand. That's what all these programs are about, to understand, to see what's coming, to pick apart the the, the mistruths uh, and to, to try to stay on a track and pass so we can see things as they're coming our way. And that's the hope, you know, to yeah. understand the truth. Well, I agree. We've got, uh, you know, you've got to have some, you got to have to, you have to have some sort of hope. You have to have some sort of optimism to deal I'm with. I'm hoping gold's going to 3,000 and 5,000 and 10, I don't, doubt, that, I don't doubt it'll happen. It's just a question of when. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what do you do in the meantime? You got to hope to survive what may be some very difficult circumstances. Plan. And you got to prepare, prepare for it. You know, prepare because there will be hopefully good things on the other side of what may be a very difficult time. You don't be scared to prepare. Yeah, you got to do the best you can. Stick, uh, stay close to good Lord and, uh, uh, you know, you got to hope for the best, pray for the best, get prepared, get ready. Yeah. Um, and understand what's coming and perhaps understand what might follow that if you insist. We might see some sort of a collapse where people have a choice. Do you want to be communists? Do you want to go back to freedom? What do you want? You're going to have to understand that, to stand up at the right time and say, this is what I want. I want what this country started out to be. All right? And I instead, when this government goes down, I want the next one to look like something that we saw under Thomas Jefferson. We're out of time. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom, and we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Jerry from Indiana. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Never seems to be a single penny left for me. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. 
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different with all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added. Their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
Yes, sir. Just talk my phone, okay? Thank you, okay. Oh. Well, I guess I'm live. I didn't hear the intro music. Apologize for that, fellas. I'm reading some messages right now on Yahoo Messenger. Uh, this is the Condition Critical Show, guys. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. And again, I apologize for this kind of uh, abrupt uh, intro there. You are listening to the Condition Critical Show. I am your host, Jay Shanahan. You're listening, guys, right here on the American Voice Radio Network. This is my live show for Wednesday, the 27th day of April 2016. It is five minutes past the hour. Uh, let's see here. You can go to the AmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. That is the website for the network right here that you're listening on, fellas. And you can find, oh, well, you can find a lot of stuff there. Chiefly, you can find the chat room. Get into the chat room, ask questions, and do things like that. There is also a donate link there at the, at the AmericanVoice.com uh, or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And as I like to say, please click on that donate link. And donate $5, I would appreciate it. I also have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. There's a few new things on there, and there's going to be some changes coming up to my website in the coming weeks. Just kind of look out for that. I hope that there will be no interruptions in my website, uh, but there will be some changes coming up. I just wanted to let you be aware of that. Nevertheless, you can go there and check it out. I have a blog. I goof around with it and do some different things with it. I did post some different things on there. I mean, like really different things on there uh, since we've last spoke. Just some fun stuff. Uh, check it out. Let's see, what else? Uh, well, you can call in 1-800-932-1980. That is the call-in number for the network, and it will get you on the air to speak with me, your host. Again, I'm Jay Shanahan. And, and once again, this is my live show for Wednesday, the 27th day of uh, 2016, seven minutes past the hour. Okay, I don't think I've left anything out. If I have, I'll try and remember and uh, refresh it after the break. Well, guys, just like every week, a lot to talk about. But as I mentioned last Thursday at the end of my show that I was going to be interviewing a, a special guest, uh, I don't want to wait too much longer here. And not a whole lot of introduction needs to be made uh, with this special guest. Your, your guys are going to know this guy. Actually, you're going to know him fairly well. Uh, well, at least you're going to be aware of him fairly well because he is the owner of American Voice Radio, Francis Steffen. And before I bring uh, Frank on, I just want to say that, uh, you know, I've been a longtime listener to AVR. And how I came about listening to ABR, I mean, I'm not going to go over the whole story, you know, you know, we've all, you know, we're here because we, you know, we want to listen to something different and we're looking for the truth or whatever it is, uh, how we got here kind of really doesn't matter. But for myself, that was years ago and I was in Spokane, Washington at a hotel room laying over, I, I drive truck, as you know, and I was just looking for something to listen to. I'd been listening to other hosts and so forth and no need to mention any names. And I just stumbled on the Frank report. Now at the time, I didn't know what the name of the show was. I just heard Frank talking. And as I listened, I thought, wow, who is this guy? And it was really good. And 
so I listened to the, to the show and and had to go. So now I, I leave Spokane. I'm heading back to you know to Western Washington. Well, I had forgotten you know because like I like I said I had tuned in like I don't know I guess like maybe midway through this show and I you know just really didn't pay attention to what network it was or or anything like that and. And it was like a year went by because I forgot what the sh- name of the show was. And I was like, who was that guy? And I'd searched and searched and searched. And then I stumbled on it again. I mean, literally by accident, again, I, I found it. And, and, and then so I've been a listener, you know, ever since. And, you know, I've said it before. I've called in the Frank show uh, before and told him. And I don't want to, you know, heap a whole bunch of, you know, I don't want to sound like a sycophant or something like that, but you know, I found I've, I've always found Frank's commentary to be to pretty to be pretty spot on. And he tells the truth, and he's consistent if you if you listen to him. And it's and this is something that I'll maybe ask him, and we'll get into. But you know, he plays a lot of classic Frank here lately. He he has done it in the past, and I think last week he took the week off and he played some some old shows. And you can when you listen to that, you can see and and those are from what were these from back in like 2000 and oh i forget now 2003 maybe uh quite old well my point is that you know you can tell the commentary is is consistent and and so that's important that you know the for me at least and i think for for most people it's important that you know when somebody has a message that although you know the circumstances may change the message, you know, the body of the message, if you will, kind of stays the same and, and, and consistent. And to me, that's important. And it shows a lot of character as far as, as far as I'm concerned. So having said all of that, guys, I hope that you will stay tuned here. And I'm now going to bring Frank on board. Frank, are you there? I am. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jay. And thank you for <laughs> for agreeing to uh, you know to do this. Uh, I, I asked you last week. I think it was in Yahoo Messenger if you would do this, and you you, you readily agreed. And so I do appreciate it. Uh, I don't know because it it kind of puts you on the spot a little bit, and at least that's how I feel. I mean, obviously you don't feel that way because because you came on. I just want to thank you though for for coming on, allow me to you know just to ask you some questions. Well, and and you know you did uh, you were. You know, gracious enough to ask me ahead of time, are there any things that, you know, uh, you you know, off limits? And I told you, uh, I'll let you know when you ask me. Right, right. You know, because I don't have a problem telling people none of your business. You right. Know, well, and, you know, and anybody can ask anything they want. You know, this is one of the things people mistake about, well, you know, the government asked me this, and they, they can't do it. Yeah, they can, anybody can ask you anything you want, you know, they want. You know, it's up to you to decide what you're going to answer. Absolutely. Well, let's get started here, Frank, at the beginning. I mean, you, you're from the East Coast, and I think that you've made that clear. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, you don't have to go the whole way back, but just a little bit, of, a little bit about, you know, your life in, back in New Jersey, maybe, you know, growing up and and maybe who influenced you, and, and, you know, what kind of sent you on your merry way, if you will? Well, I was born at a very early age. <laughs> and anyway, no, I uh, I was born in uh, Delaware, okay. actually. And uh, actually, uh, I was born in Delaware April 30th, 1961. And when I was about six months old, my parents moved to New Jersey, and my father worked for a man named Clarence Dillon. And we lived on his estate slash farm. And uh, 
you know, uh, that's where I, I grew up for, you know, 18 years until I left. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we spent summers up in Maine, and I mean the whole summer, you know, three months. So I had kind of a disjointed childhood when it came to, you know, friends. I, I was, for one, an only child. For two, I grew up on this farm fairly isolated from, you know, anybody else. And and that doesn't mean that I was bored and lonely and all that, because I, I was neither. I, I was never bored because there was so much to do and so much stuff to get into uh, that I was never bored. And I didn't know, you know, it's like anything else. If you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And the only way you can be lonely is to have known something other than being alone. But okay. if you've always been alone, you know, that's just the way it is. You're not lonely. Sure. This is just this is normal. This is just it. There's nothing to be lonely about. I'm just, you know, and I was never bored. So, you know, and I grew up there and then we we would spend all 3 months. That means pack it up, you know, and no contact with any of my friends for 3 months and I had other friends up in Maine and that was really a fun time. Uh, you know, of course, like any kid, you know, I hated it the first few days because oh, all my friends and I don't get to do this and they're all going to be doing that. And I'm up here, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, a couple of times out in the boat, a couple of times, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and it's all it's all good again. And, you know, there's new friends and, and it was just always a great time in Maine. And and I hated coming home as much as I hated leaving. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Maine's year. a beautiful state and that must have been pretty cool to, to spend oh, it was great. It summers was, up there. It yeah. was really nice. And, and these are not, you know, I mean, again, we were on, you know, my parents work for Dylan, and and those of you out there that that mean that name means nothing to you. Well, uh, his son was Secretary of the Treasury, based on Daddy's, well, bank, which was Dylan Reed, which was the Goldman Sachs of the fifties and sixties. That's interesting. You know, so this was this was what quite a uh, what you would say a privileged childhood. Okay, yeah. so then what? What, you know, how do you end up, you know, coming from that, it would seem to me that you might, you may have, you could have easily taken a different path. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, and you mentioned, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, you know, I do want to mention that you have mentioned, and you mentioned often that you did a lot of hitchhiking. And, and so, you know, and I'm, I've, I've done some hitchhiking myself, not near to the extent that you have, and that's kind of a different lifestyle. And again, coming from your, your background, I mean, I mean, you, so you went into the service as well, too, yeah. right? Well, yeah, it was kind of a, you know, there were a couple of harsh transitions, let's put it that way, in my, in my life. And, and they didn't have to be. It was all my choice. You know, uh, these are, you know, like everybody out there, and this is one thing I think is lacking in America, you know, we're all real quick to blame everybody for everything. Oh, it was my parents. My mommy didn't show me the love she should have. Daddy hit me when I was five. You know, and this is why I'm a loser. You know, and it's just all crap as far as I'm concerned. People are losers or winners or whatevers because of choices they make. I would agree. You know, you make choices and you you're just, okay, Yeah. good choice, bad choice, whatever it is, you're stuck with it. Deal with it. Yeah. You know, and I had to do that, and I was a kid. I didn't, you know, I'm making a choice. You know, okay, 
Well, I, you know, I look back and I'm glad I made the choices I made, but, you know, I had opportunities to take a much different path. Uh, you know, as a kid, I played sports and I was okay at mostly every sport, mm-hmm. but I really was good at hockey. And I was good enough to have a scholarship offered to me to a university to go play. And, and that was all on my own, you know, on what I, what I did. And I just couldn't, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to play hockey, but I didn't want to go to school. Okay. I just, I just didn't anymore. I just, you know, I mean, it got to the point where I was only going to school to hang out with my friends and get loaded. Yeah. Really, that, that was the only reason I was showing up. And there was a thing, you know, with my dad that when I was 13, my dad, my dad came from a harsh childhood and, uh, you know, it was a different world, and in his world, when you were 13, when you became a teenager, you were basically now on your, you know, the fast track to adulthood. Yeah. You better grow up, kid. You know, it, childhood is basically over. You know, because in his world, when you had to be a teenager, if you didn't already have a job, you better go get one. Yeah. You know, that that sort of thing. and. You know, and I didn't have to go get a job, but he told me, oh, all right, look, no more curfew, no more this. And I had a lot of freedom and already, and I had even more freedom when I turned 13. And But he did make one stipulation, you will always go to school. You will not skip school, or things will change around here. And that was <laughs> okay. a scary thing when my dad said that to me. So it was like, okay, I will always go to school. Doesn't mean I'll do the work. Doesn't mean I'll be, you know, doesn't okay, mean, yeah. hey, but I'll be here. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that... So that was the thing there, and I, I just really didn't care for school. I didn't get a lot out of it. It was it was pretty easy for me because I basically just glided through school, didn't ever do any homework, but I was able to pass the tests and uh, participate in class mm-hmm. and, and all that, you know. And, and you know, the, even back then, though, even in school, uh, you know, that you're in class and it's like, well, okay, oral reports. Everybody knows those, you know. Uh, most of the kids in class dreaded those. Mm-hmm. These were, they don't do now. Well, and they were A and B students. You know, these are kids that are really, you know, they're doing the work and they're getting through it and they're planning on going to college and doing well there. And, you know, an and oral report, it, they're, you know, they blood runs out of their face, they turn white, and oh my god, you know, and me, I was thinking, oh, whew, easy grade, easy grade, cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'd just get up there and basically Donald Trump it. You know, I'd get up there with, you know, these guys would have like reams of paper, you know, and I'd have one sheet of paper with some cheats, you know, on it, <laughs> and just wing it. And I'd always get a good grade, you know, for stuff like that. And I, it, it made me I I passed basically with D's because, you know, the no homework thing really works against you in in grade. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you lose a lot not doing any homework. But I figured I don't care, you know, whatever gets me out of here. So my parents also offered me, and it wasn't because they had a big pile of money saved up to do this. It was because their employer offered this to them to offer to me. Wow which was to go to Princeton University. Nice. And, uh, you know, I mean, you got to understand, th- this guy, he, he's got buildings named after him at Princeton. Okay. That's, uh, is that Ivy League, Princeton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it is. And, 
you know, so I, 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 you know, and there was just no way I was going to be doing that. And, you know, and I, I knew it. And it's like, no, I'm not, no way, man. And it, it, it oh. broke my mother's heart. It really did because she was, a, I don't know, both my parents were immigrants. And, you know, they, uh, this was like a, a huge step forward. Yeah, that would have been a big deal for sure. You know, and it broke her heart that I, you know, I just wouldn't do it. It's like, no. And then I further broke her heart because my dad didn't really care. Again, my dad was kind of a a hard guy. And he was, uh, hey, whatever. You know, it's your life. But whatever it is, you'll be doing it elsewhere. You know, I mean, you're not going to, yeah, you know, this whole idea about 30 years old playing video games in mommy and daddy's basement yeah. was not a concept that he would have ever you know, even entertained at all. It's like, no, you're 18 years old. See ya. Yeah. Well, you that know, was pretty. Don't forget normal. to write. You know, maybe you can stop <laughs> yeah. by on Christmas and Thanksgiving, but that's about it. You know, you yeah. can go get your own life going, kid. Yeah, I can relate. That's how my dad was as well. And I think that that was more prevalent back then, certainly than than it is now. And that's unfortunate. As it far is as I'm because concerned. you know, really, I, 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 you know, I didn't like it at the time. Because I would have loved to just lived in their basement oh, yeah. playing video games, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, bring me a beer, Mom. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that would have been great, but, you know, just wasn't it. And so yeah. my dad's like, well, that's fine. You know, you don't have to, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But you got to do something. Well, I'm 18 years old. I got no skills. I got no nothing, right? I'm like, right. hmm, what can I do? Uh, so I decide to go sign up for the Army. And I got on a delayed entry program. Yeah. And I asked my dad, well, dad, you know, here's the paperwork. Can I, can I stay here until October? You know, because he was like, when you graduate, you're out of here. It. You know? But, and he's like, well, yeah, of course. Okay. And he explained, he's like, look, I, I'm just telling you this because I know you. If I give you any leeway, You'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, six months from now, you'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, I will, Dad, sure, I'll, I'll do. So he's like, no, when you graduate, you're out of here. And then I'm like, well, Dad, uh, here's the paperwork, you know. Sure, sure, okay. <laughs> you know, and he looks there. at it, he goes, sure, yeah, you can stay here till October. Look, I was just only doing that so you'd get up off your dead, you know what, and, and do mm -hmm. something, kid. And he knew me, and he was right. If he would have given me any slack, I'd have took it. Sure, sure. You know, so there we go. And I had a great summer. It was all good. You know, it was just great. I had to go to summer school, of course, to graduate high school because, uh, well, you know, maybe oh, yeah. no homework thing. And uh, right. it caught up with me in English class. So I had to go and uh, finish my English class and get those credits in order to uh, actually not even get the credits. It was just one of those things. I had plenty of credits, but... They also have, there was a two-tiered requirement in my high school, I don't know how they do it now, that, look, you have to have uh, four years of this, three years of that, two years of this, whatever, right? And, okay. And then you also had to have this many credits. Right, okay. You had to have both going on. And I had plenty of credits, but I didn't have the four years of English because I failed a year of English. Uh -huh. So that only counted as three, so I had to make it up in summer school, which... I wouldn't have done. I, I really wouldn't have, but my grandmother bribed me um, and said, I'll give you 500 bucks if you get that diploma. I said, oh, dude, I'm yeah. getting a diploma. This is 79. 500 bucks is a lot oh, yeah. it is today. <laughs> and so 
I did that, and it turned out summer school was a blast anyway. Okay. You know, it wasn't at all like real school. It was it was actually fun. I, I enjoyed summer school, I have to say. And, and, and then I had a great summer after that because I had money, and uh, we could do, uh, you know, I could do things. And so then into the military, October 8th. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, you know, and then... Uh, Weird things happened, and I'm not going to go into the whole story, but weird things happened, and I got an in-service transfer, which I never knew what it was called until they told me. And uh, I went in the Navy okay. and went to corps school. I, I, in, the, in the Army, I went to basic, and then I went to uh, track vehicle school. And then I, I did some uh, permanent duty, and I got in some... Uh, disagreements with a superior and then i ended up on basically what they call the recovery team which is you know uh that's like cleaning out bedpans okay this this is like well your job is basically tank tow truck driver or tank tow tank tow truck team Mm -hmm. okay you know it's when tanks get stuck Uh uh-huh yeah well and, and people out there probably have no concept tanks get stuck. Oh, they get stuck often, and quite when, often. And when they get stuck, they're really stuck. Oh, yeah. Because these things weigh like a million pounds and, you know. Just, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And you know what? And, and don't take this personally. If you were a tanker in the Army, uh, tankers are not the... Not the sharpest pencils in the box, okay? <laughs> well, I wasn't a tanker, so... <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just... And you're true. right. It's just yeah. true. They do some uh, incredibly stupid things in those tanks. And uh, and I know this because we had to come and get them. And, you know, uh, and, you know, that wasn't that bad. It was just something else. I didn't like it that much. So I, I, I tried to get another job, which they used to put up on the board and... You know, then you had to contact and interview and all that. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, you know, people think the military is something. To, it's just kind of like a working at any corporation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, so there was a driver spot. And as a track vehicle mechanic, you got a license about a mile long, right? You're you're qualified to drive everything with wheels or tracks. You know, uh, in in the military, so. You know, I I went for this job as driver, and they saw that, and they saw, wow, this okay. Guy's a born driver. He can drive anything, you know, we got. So mm-hmm. I got that. And that was really cool. And because I drove, my job was to drive. I was this lieutenant, this first lieutenant's driver. And what his job was, he was in the mechanized infantry. And what his job was when, you know, they weren't running games or whatever, was he was a range officer. Okay. You know, the, the guy with the bars who has to be at the range. If there's a range running, there has to be an officer there. Indeed. And he was it. And he'd run all different kind of ranges, right? And I'd drive him around, and i just, you know, he'd say, drop me off, come back at this time, and I'd just kill time the rest of the, you know, time, which was nice. fun for a while until it got boring. Yeah. And I'd sit there and read books in the Jeep. And then it came time to where my qualification on the M16 was coming due where I had to requalify. And I, uh, we happened to be at, you know, an M16 qualifying range, and I asked him, I said, hey, Lieutenant, you know, I need to requalify. Can I, can I do that here? He goes, yeah. He goes, you can, uh, you know, any range we're at, man, you can uh, qualify if you want. Okay. Said, Why don't you hold that thought? It looks like we're kind of 
coming up on break here, Frank. Yep. You would know better than I. And Oh, so I'm not paying you... attention. See, I'm just the guest, man. Well, we are at the break, so why don't we hold that thought, and guys, just stick with us after the break. Enjoy the music, and we'll we'll see you then. Those are fat eggs, son. and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. 
unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316 316- Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Critical Show. I am your host, Jay Shanahan. You're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. It is the 27th of April, 2016. It is now 39 minutes past the hour. You can go to the AmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. That is the website for this network that you're listening on right now. And you can get into the chat room, ask questions, and do all sorts of things. You can call in if you would like. 1-800-932-1980 and ask a question of me, your host, and my guest, who I'm going to bring up here in just a second. Uh, Let's see. I have a website, conditioncriticalshow.com. You can go there and check it out. I have a blog. Uh, There are donate links on both of the websites there, fellas. Uh, I just want to mention that there is the donate link for American Voice Radio, which is the most important. Please go there. Donate $5. I also have a donate link. You go to my blog and you will see it. Anything Anything would help to help keep the lights on. Uh, as you all know, I don't beg for money. It really doesn't matter. But it is there nevertheless. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it. Uh, Yahoo Instant Messenger, Irish88. I'll type in the chat room uh, what my screen name is for that right now as we speak. And let's see. There it is. I also have a cell phone, 253-973-2995. You guys can call me. Uh, you'd have to wait till after the show, obviously, but you can text me at any time. You guys can send me news, uh, you know, articles that you'd like me to cover. You can even request songs. 
and I'll do my best to play them. As you all know, I'm not playing mainstream music on my show, and I haven't for what? I guess this may be the second week or whatever, uh, third show or whatever. And I'm just going to hold off on playing mainstream music for a while because of the, 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 the chaos and the, just the, uh, I don't know, the nonsense that, that is just going on out there within the entertainment community about this whole you know, homosexual uh, normalization process that's taking place in this country and with these artists that kind of back that and, and, and what have you, uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of that right now because I am, I am uh, talking with Frank, uh, the owner of American Voice Radio, Francis Stephan, right now. And I'll bring Frank back up. He was in the middle of telling his uh, story about his uh, time in the military. So, Frank, why don't you come back on and just pick up where he left off? Well, I prefer saga rather than I'd... story, but, you know, hey. <laughs> Tomato, tomato, you know, whatever. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, I got this good job driving this lieutenant around, and, uh, you know, I and I asked him about requalifying on the uh, 16, which I did, and uh, he told me, hey, any range, you know, any range I'm running, you can qualify whatever it is. Well, that was really cool, because he ran a lot of different ranges, like the uh, the he ran a tow range. He ran a dragon range. Uh, oh, nice. The M60 range. You know the, the. I mean, all kinds of uh, uh, the, uh, which isn't all that cool, but it's that the little uh, what do you call it? Uh, what they the throwaway handheld missile. Uh, the law. The law. Yeah, that uh, a non-guided uh, <laughs> is quite a you know. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's as accurate as a tow. Tows were notorious for going ballistic and. No, they were in dragons too. I'm. Well, they're I, wire, I, you know, they're wire yeah. guided, and they, they're, they, you know, I, I guess they're great if you're in a desert or something. But any kind of, you know, thing yeah. in the way, you've got a problem. But got they a problem. were fun to play with, though. Oh I, yeah. You know, I mean, they really were, especially for, okay, especially for me who wasn't. That wasn't really my MOS. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was just trying to get. I was in the military because I didn't have. You know, at the time, my view, I didn't have any other choices, right? So this was the, you know, the choice that sure. I had left. You know, I wasn't doing it out of patriotism or, uh, you know, oh, got to kill them commies or whatever. It was just, I got to do something. You know, so I was just trying to get through and, and, you know, so I didn't sign up for anything, you know, special or anything like that. And it was really cool to be able to play with all these these weapons, right? And, you know, these are really cool things. And they, they, he also ran ranges, you know, because everybody thinks, well, you know, it's just a firing range. But they call all kinds of things ranges, like, you know, uh, learning how to set up uh, the uh, uh, Claymore mines. Okay. Sure. You know, that they call that a range, too. You go out there and, you know, you've you got to set these up and, you know, blast them off. And that was fun, too. I mean, you know, things exploding and shooting at stuff is kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. Claymores are pretty intense, sure. Yeah. Who doesn't like that? You know, who wouldn't like that? Well, yeah, and, and, you know, and I learned how to properly set them up and how to use them. And, you know, that's part of the range. It's like, well, what do you use these for? How do you use them? What, in what circumstances do you use them? And how, you know, and there's a lot of different ways you can use them. And, and it was all fun. You know, I really liked that part of the army that was probably my most favorite part and then uh i came home on leave and for I, and i'm not I, I don't really remember why or how i i went down to the recruiting office when i was home on leave and you know they had the 
all the you know the Marines, the Navy, the Army, all yeah, in the same, yeah. all in the same yep. building. Basically, they had little offices, and so I went down yep. there basically to see the recruiter that you know I uh, uh, joined up with, and he wasn't there, and uh, you know the, the Navy guy was there. So I was just talking to him. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the army. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, down at uh, Fort Knox is my permanent station, and da 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 da. da. He goes, yeah, come on in here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I go in his office. You know, I'm thinking, all right, fine. You know, sit down, shoot the breeze, and so he starts looking up my, you know, they have access to all this, and they started looking up my uh, records and all that, and mm-hmm. he says, hey, you scored really high on here. He goes, hey, have you ever thought about uh? The Navy? I'm like, I'm in the Army. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, uh, right. You know, this ship has kind of sailed. <laughs> yeah, know? that's definitely interesting. And he's going, oh, no, no, no. He goes, no, that's not necessarily true. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, what are you interested in? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, uh, he goes, what about? You know, and, and now I, I know because it's because they had a shortage, okay, and they needed billets filled, and yep. you know. So, who oh, ever thought about medical field? He goes, you know, this is one of the transferable, and this is how he got me thinking about it. Was because he said this is one of those transferable uh, skills. He goes, once you get out, he goes, you know, you can get a job at any hospital, you know, uh, which he exaggerated a little bit. Yeah, that's not quite true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yes, with a little additional training, yeah, you can, but, uh, you know, it's not directly transferable. But anyway, that's what he told me, and I said, hmm. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And I had no idea what was involved or anything. So next thing I know, I get, you know, the packet of, here's your orders. Hmm. Okay, so, uh, you know, and I I went back to Fort Knox, and... uh, then I got my orders there, and it says, okay, you know, report to Great Lakes. And it just happened to be, and this is just really weird, because remember I told you I, I, I got delayed entry into the yeah. Army, uh, and I it was to report October 8th? Mm-hmm. Well, when my orders came to report to Great Lakes, Illinois, it was for October 8th. That's a good time to be up there. Yeah. Oh, it's a horrible time to be up there, <laughs> let me tell you. I had no idea. So I go, you know, I get on the plane, off I go. You know, I'm a, I, I'm a kid, right? I don't know anything. I'm just going, sure, whatever. You know, so here I am, and next thing I know, they're going, I'm in basic training again. Again? It wasn't like a modified basic training? No, training? no. Oh, wow. This is like I'm back in basic training again. Except this is Navy, which, yeah. by the way, folks, is not, not the same. Not, it's not. It's really, really easy, okay? A lot of schoolwork, okay? It's a lot of classroom, a, a lot of classroom, a little tiny bit of physical training. The Navy's not real big on, you know, physical training like the Army is. But So I'm there, and I'm trying to explain that uh, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. You know, because I've already gone through basic training yeah, yeah. once. Oops. And he's telling me, uh, not Navy basic training. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, you know, this is was, this is never told. Nobody ever said I had to start all over again. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I didn't even think I would. See, this is what I mean. I was a kid, right? Uh-huh. I didn't even think I was officially in the Navy. 
that never crossed my mind. I, I thought, well, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm I'm in the army and I'm just going to go to the Navy school, right? <laughs> well, oh. no, that's not what happened. And he oh, goes, I see. Yeah, yeah, and he goes, no, uh, you're uh, you're you got everybody who goes to a Navy school has to go through Navy, you know, uh, okay. basic training, which that I later found out isn't true either. But you know, anyway, so there I was, and it wasn't that bad. And then I go to core school. And then, see, there was a there was a, an issue. See, along the way, the the Navy guy somewhere along the way was supposed to tack on some extra time onto my because I signed up for three years. Okay? I see. I I signed up for three years because they had two, three, and four and six year mm-hmm. things you could sign up for. So I figured, all right, I'll take the one in the middle, you know, three years. <laughs> right, right. Years. So he was supposed to tack on another three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, this was supposed to turn into a six-year thing, which I had no idea of. You know, nobody had yeah. mentioned that to me, and I didn't know. And, uh, well, you know, and I'm looking at my due date to get out, mm-hmm. which was July, 4, uh, July 2nd, because I got back home in time for July 4th celebration. Oh, there you go. Anyway, so, uh, you know, they start hassling me about six months before that, saying, you know, you got to, you need to re-enlist. I'm like, "Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's not ever happening, okay? And and then they got nasty, and it it just was six months of trouble, basically. I hadn't Mm -hmm. had any trouble in the military up until then, and then I had nothing but trouble. I mean, I had Article 15 after Article 15. You know, I was in restricted duty and, you know, uh, just all the time after that. Because Uh, they were like, hey, you know what? And they told me, you know how much the military has invested in you? And, and, you know, and you've been all the way through core school. You you know, you're going to graduate in a week. And, uh... You know how much money that is? And I'm like, I, I can see, yeah, they just figured they wanted their money's worth, and yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just didn't just do it on their own and just extend your time in service. Yeah, but. well, they can't do that. Not uh-huh. legally. They can't legally do that, you see, because if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage with these guys. Because most of the military is paper pushers anyway, and if, sure. you know, if it ain't on the paper, then it don't exist. And, uh, hey, yeah, that counts for people. If they lose your records, you're an invisible man anymore. You, you uh, yeah, I can speak to that. Yeah, they lost my records during one of my transfers, and, and it, it is, it's a quite a big deal. Yeah, and they you don't to exist anymore. <laughs> oh, I wasn't getting paid. No, I, I didn't exist, exactly. Yeah, so, I, they wanted me to wear a sterile uniform and the whole thing. I'm like, uh, no. I mean, I earned these yeah. rewards and this stuff. And, 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 yeah, but yeah, but they're serious about it's got to be, we got to have paperwork on this, right? They had no paperwork on me whatsoever, right? not. Yeah. You know, and they didn't have this because they didn't do it. They just, they did the whole deal except extending my deal. Uh-huh. It just wasn't there. So my time to leave was my time to leave, and they got mad about it and made it hard, but I left anyway. So, okay. And so I got nice- out, and I end up back where I was living uh, in Pennsylvania, up in the Pocono Mountains. Okay, so now we're in Pennsylvania. That's town, cool. Town called Toby Hanna. Oh yeah, very familiar with. There's it. an army depot there. Yes, there is. A big. Yeah. Uh, it's got. It's an odd place. There's a. It's a very big underground installation, and uh, 
you know, you, everybody always wonders up there, what are they doing in there? You know, <laughs> but anyway, so I end up there, and I, I basically took about a year and just, I, I, I worked as a bartender and uh, just partied, like, you know, the whole time. Just, it was just, you know, it was just, that's all it was, just a big party for about a year. Sure, yeah. And uh, it was great. It was fun. I, I can't, you know, think of another time in my life when I had more actual fun. But, you know, even fun gets old when that's mm-hmm. all there is. And, you know, I started feeling like I'm in a rut. I need to, you know, I need to, I need to do something else, and I can't do it here because, you know, all my friends are here, and all my friends are into this, and this is what we do, and... You know, everybody knows how that goes. You know, you, you've got your group of friends, and you do what you do, and if you decide you want to do something different, it's difficult unless you go somewhere else. Yeah. So I figured, okay, I got no money. I got no nothing, so how am I going to go somewhere else? Well, I figured I'd pack up my duffel bag and head on down the road. So that's what I did, and uh, it was getting to be winter time, and I went to Florida. And I didn't know anything about living on the street or anything like that. So it was it was difficult. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know about homeless missions. I didn't know about uh, I didn't know any of that, you know. Uh, so I'm down in Florida. At least I'm not going to freeze to death. And I'm doing things like going down by the docks and when they go fishing, you know, commercial fishing, and they uh-huh. dump all these fish out of the, you know, out of the boat into the trucks. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them end up on the side of the road. You know, they missed the truck, right? They just, True, not okay. that many of them, but I mean, some just on the side. So I'm picking up these fish off the road, and I'm making a campfire at the beach, and I'm cooking these things, and that's what I'm doing. I'm eating acorns, things like this. You know, I mean, I really didn't have a clue. But I was able to get that far, and then, you know, you talk to people, and they tell you, oh, well, all right, go down to the mission, go down to there. Oh, you know, I started learning about all this, and then life got good. When one guy, I asked him, I said, hey, man, you know, because you can tell other homeless people, and, you know, hey, man, where's the mission at? I got get something to eat, man. Goes, mm-hmm. What do you want to go to the mission to eat for? I'm like, because I ain't got any money, man. That's why. He goes, McDonald's is right across the street. I said, I ain't the, what part of no money do you not get, man? He goes, you don't need any money? He goes, go to the dumpster. Well, I thought that was just the most disgusting thing I'd ever heard in my life. I couldn't possibly think of anything like that. I'm off to the mission, right? Mm-hmm. So I go to the mission, and I have my nice big bowl of spinach soup. Yeah, for a dime or a nickel or 15 cents? No, no, cents. it was free. Okay. It was free at the mission, and I'm in there, and I'm. it was disgusting, and I'm walking down the street the next day, and there's that McDonald's again. And I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to check out this dumpster. So I go over there, and sure enough, man, I find a bag of, this was back when McDonald's was putting their uh, food in the styrofoam. Uh, oh, yeah, containers. yeah. Which is bad for the environment, but really preserves that food and keeps it clean <laughs> in the garbage. And, and you know, so I grab all the stuff and I'm thinking, okay. And I grab it and I, I get out of the dumpster and go off, you know, to the side wherever I'm at. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm, Here really, goes. I'm really hungry, but, you know, yeah, this is garbage. But, okay, you know what? It doesn't look like garbage. It looks like the stuff you buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's something that they don't do anymore. Yeah. I mean, 
So I figure, okay. So I eat it, and it tastes just like the stuff at the counter, too. And I'm like, viola. I'm in. You know? <laughs> right, so from right. that time on, man, I uh, that's not to say that I didn't ever hit up missions or anything, but uh, it wasn't, you know, one of those life or death things where I had to have a mission. Uh, it was mainly for showers and clothes and, okay, I'll eat while I'm here, you know, too. But uh, the dumpsters is really all across, uh, and it's not just McDonald's, it's, you know, supermarkets, whatever. And, and sure. that's what I did. I just hitchhiked around and I went to every state. I didn't go to Vermont and I didn't go to uh, Alaska. But I did end up making it to Hawaii. Which is quite a feat for a hitchhiker. Uh, that is, uh, and and I would I, I want to get into that. We're getting kind of close to the end of the first hour, though. But I do want to ask you before we get to Hawaii. I mean, you didn't have, so you didn't have like a, a plan when you showed up somewhere like say Florida. Like when I hitchhiked, I the first place I went was Louisiana, and I had a plan to like uh, go out on like an oil rig or something like that. I had actually even called some some companies down there it was actually promised a job and i don't remember the name of the company well it never worked out but nevertheless i had like a some kind of a plan when i ended up somewhere uh and it sounds to me like perhaps you didn't no i'm not all that big of a planner actually <laughs> you know uh i no i didn't actually i i okay my plan was i don't want to freeze to death okay yeah. so i'm going to florida <laughs> okay and, you know that was really as far as my plan went and my plan was so not there that when I got to Florida, I mean, I had these preconceived ideas about what Florida was going to be like. You know, Disneyland, Disney World, mm -hmm. all that whole nine yards, right? Well, it isn't, okay? No. It's just another place where people live, and that's like everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I learned about that because California was another great disappointment for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like we are at the end of the uh, first hour, so we will... Go ahead and cut it short here. Everybody, uh, those of you that tuned in for the first hour, I appreciate it. And if you can, come back for the second hour, and we'll continue this conversation with uh, Francis Steffen. We'll see you after the break, guys.
All right, folks, welcome back to the second hour of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan, and you are listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. For those of you that can or that, you know, stayed over for the second hour, I appreciate it. We are having a conversation with the owner of American Voice Radio, none other than Francis Stephan. I'll bring him up shortly. Uh, Just want to get some administrative stuff out of the way. I posted in the chat room uh, just a second ago my website, conditioncriticalshow.com. I also posted my screen name for Yahoo Messenger, Irish88, as you see there, a little bit different than the one for AVR chat. And also posted my cell phone there. You guys can call me or send me a text message. Uh, you can contact me, though, as well from my website. Uh, you can uh, use the email there and contact me. Uh, other than that, uh, the website for this network, AmericaVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericaVoice.com. Again, that's the website for this network. You can go there, and there's a, a whole bunch of stuff you can do there. The chat room is there. Uh, you got streaming archives and a different uh, streams, and you got a whole bunch of stuff that you can do there. Those different streams I really like because I, I have a mobile device, and I listen to AVR often while I'm out and about. And I use the 24K. And I'm, I, I mentioned before that I do that, and I'm not sure how much less data that uses, uh, you know, than like 64K or something like that. But at least there's that option. And, again, because I, I don't know how, what, the, what difference it, it is or if it makes that big of a difference. Uh, but it, it's there, nevertheless. Uh, let's see. That's about it. You got the donate links for both uh, websites. And the most important one is the donate link for American Voice Radio. As I like to say, please go there, click that link, and donate $5. Frank would appreciate it, and so would I. Uh, That's about it. Again, the music, some of it isn't, you know, really safe for work, and and I'm not trying to be vulgar uh, with with the music in in any way. I'm just protesting because it's the only thing I can do. I'm just one guy. This, 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 This nonsense, this insanity you know, that is going, that is going on. Uh, you had Boston and Pearl Jam and Brian Adams and Bruce Springsteen, and you have a, and a number of other artists out there that are sticking up for the homos essentially. And you have all these corporations out there that are doing the same thing. I do find something encouraging though, and I'll talk about it tomorrow. It seems like target has got themselves in some kind of a kerfluffle with uh, them opening up their restrooms to the, to the freaking uh, transgendered freaks. And, there's an association, I think it's called the American Family Association, <coughs> excuse me, at, at the moment, they have over 500,000, that's over a half a million uh, signers to the petition to boycott Target. And so that's encouraging, guys. That really is encouraging. Uh, the, and, and their spokesman said that they're going to lose a lot of customers. I kind of have boycotted Target in the past for other things, but this one is certainly worthy of boycotting them. So and I'll talk about it tomorrow, guys, about this uh, boycott that the American Family Association, I believe it is. I had the article pulled up, but uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not set up to talk about that at the moment. Right now, I want to get back to our conversation and, you know, a little bit about the history of uh, Frank Stefan. Frank, are you there? I am. Okay, well, welcome back. And so going into the, you know, going out of the first hour now into the second hour, you you kind of mentioned how you ended up in, in Hawaii, and now for someone that has hitchhiked, uh, that doesn't seem like an. Well, I mean, you. I guess you 
get a little bit of money somehow, maybe working on a job. And nah, and man, you got to watch out on the runway, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking that the the you know the whole non-pressurized uh, <laughs> cargo you know compartment thing and all that and getting sucked into. Yeah, the you can ride in the back. Yeah, that like the uh, you know the ride you get on the pickup truck. Yeah, and yeah, I don't think so. So, okay, so let's, how did you end up in California? Well, I ended up in California, okay? I I ended up in California, and I was in Sacramento, and I actually went to, uh, I went to this mission in Sacramento. And it turns out this mission, you know, Sacramento's big time. It's the capital of California. Everything is, you know, bigger there than it is anywhere else in the state. You know, more of this, more is better, because it's the capital and all. And Okay. This mission was no different, and it was just a Union Gospel mission. And I went in there, and I, you know, I just went in there to get a shower and spend the night and all that, and get a meal. So I went in there and did that. And then they, uh, you got to work in the kitchen in order to stay there. That's that's the thing. They, you know, they'll feed you for nothing, and and you know, you don't have to do anything for that. But if you want to spend the night, you have to, you know, work in the kitchen for like the first week okay and you can stay actually the first three nights they give you three nights of just work in the kitchen and then you can go during the day right you're you're free you know out so you're not quite an indentured servant no see you later it's just after you know uh the the meal you got to clean up basically in the kitchen so i'm in the kitchen and everybody's talking and and some people that work in the kitchen are there permanently because they stay there permanently because they're attending a Bible school. So one of the big things I did on the on the on the road was I read the Bible, and that was where I had the opportunity to read the Bible from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend a lot of time waiting for rides when yeah. you're hitchhiking. So you know, reading was a good thing to do. So reading the Bible was a really good thing to do. So I did, and I had read the whole Bible. And I'm there, and they're talking about this Bible school, and they're saying, mm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I've read the Bible. What does it do? So I get invited to this Bible school. And I say, okay. And, you know, of course, you're on probation the first, you know, whatever, week or whatever it is. And then when they decide, okay, are you going to be okay to be at this school? Are you going to do the work? Are you going to take it seriously? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So, yeah, I was, and there it was. And I spent nine months there, okay? And uh, and then I, you know, and I learned a lot. Uh, I learned to do a lot of research and, and, and write papers and put my ideas and thoughts in a, co, you know, coherent form, you know? Okay. Because they were really, and then they really, they, like, for instance, they believed in the, you know, the pastors there all believed in the pre-tribulation rapture, which I never did. And, uh, you know, and I, I still don't. And I told him so. And he goes, well, you know, that's that's nice and all, but, you know, I'm not going to change my whole, you know, what I believe just because you, you know, decide you don't believe that. He goes, research it out. Write a paper. Exegesis it, man. Show me. Oh, cool. You know, and that's the kind of place it was. And, you know, I did, and he said, you know, hey, this is good. He graded it, you know, A, but, you know, he said, hey, still, you know, well done, but I understand where you're coming from. You've done a good job, but, you know, it's not changing the way I believe. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. I don't, you know, and then I left, and in California at the time, 
you could get food stamps, and you could also get what they would give you is a voucher, which basically put you in some flea bag motel, right? Okay. But I came to find, because, you know, you go around, you talk to other homeless people, right? You find out what's going on, what's the game here, what's the scam, what's the deal, right? So I find out, yeah, that's the deal, the vouchers. But when they run out of vouchers, then they just give you money. Oh, okay. So hmm. I figured, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go hang out at the welfare department. And as people come out, I'm going to ask them, man, they got any vouchers? Yeah. Okay. I sit and wait. Got any? They, they still got vouchers? Yeah, I'm sit and wait. Mm-hmm. They got any vouchers? Nah, they ran out. Oh, in the door I go, right? Because I know... I'm getting me some money. Wow. Okay. So I go in there. Go. Oh, I need a place to stay. I'm out in the street. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. We're out of vouchers. So here's a check. All right. Wow. So I take the check. I cash it. I go down to the travel agent, and uh, they had a deal, thirty days in advance, ninety nine dollar ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> so I went in there and I bought one. And I figured, okay, I just got to hang out for 30 days. <laughs> so uh, I did. And I got my food stamps, like, I don't know, three or four days before I left. I got my last food stamps in California. I headed off to San Francisco, got on the plane, and landed in Honolulu. Jeez. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was there, and I'm like, whoa, okay, this is like, different but you know yeah. every runway is pretty, pretty much the same you know you get out of the airplane it's like gee i thought this would be like paradise this seems like every other airport i've ever been right, to you right. know so i get out and i go and i put my bag my duffel bag in a locker you know one of those lockers you put a couple quarters in you put you know every airport used to have them i guess now they're probably too dangerous to have that but you know <laughs> right. they used right. to have that and uh, and i got on the bus And I'd already known, because somebody had told me about Hawaii that had lived there, said, man, the first thing you got to do when you get there is get yourself a bus pass. And boy, they were right, because on on Oahu, they got a bus service called, because remember, this is Hawaii, so you can't get too complicated. They call it the bus. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the bus. Okay, so this is real easy. So uh, I get on the bus. And I had to pay the first one. I get to the the first 7-Eleven I got to. I got off the bus and I went in there. And a bus pass for a whole month was ten bucks. So I bought a bus pass, and that was unlimited travel on the any bus in Oahu, and it goes everywhere on that island. So, folks, if you're going to go to Oahu, definitely get a bus pass, even if it's thirty bucks. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's what I did. So now I'm transporting myself all over Oahu and living there. And, you know, I, and then I <laughs> you know, found out, oh, what, free money? What, free money? Okay, so I went and got some free money cause, uh, you know, and food stamps because Hawaii is a socialist state. And uh, I found out, oh, you can get free money to go to college? Okay, I'll do that too. So I went and did that too. And uh, I, I, I went to one semester and I did very well. Uh, this is 10 years after I graduated high school now. And I did very well, and that was it. And I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, college is like high school all over again. 
I mean, it's really not teaching me anything new. It's going over stuff we already learned in high school. Okay. And I thought, that's a waste of time, so I'm not doing this anymore. And uh, while I was doing that, I I transferred over to uh, the university over at uh, Hilo on the Big Island. So I finished up my semester over in Hilo and the Big Island, and I really enjoyed Hilo a lot, and I met a lot of Vietnam vets over there because they they preferred to live there kind of out in the bush, and nobody nobody really, you know, the authorities didn't bother them there or anything like that. And they mm-hmm. uh, they felt more comfortable there, and I hung out with them. And, uh, you know, I had a good time in Hilo, and then I got, you know, bored with that and decided, ah, you know, this, this free money's great, right? You know, <laughs> you know so I just don't know how people stay on welfare their whole lives, because it, it just, to me, it just gets boring, you know? Well, it limits you, certainly. Well, I mean, it's boring. It. It's just boring. Oh, yeah, money, yeah, what am I going to do today? Uh, hang out exactly. on the beach, go to the movies, right. yeah, okay, great, this is just great. But So I went over to the other side, over to Kona, because there was lots of work over in Kona, and I got over there, man, I got a job, like, the, the day I, you know, the, at minutes after I got over there, the first place I went, I got a job at a movie theater. Okay. Just cleaning up, right? I figured, cool, you know, I just yeah. need a job, I don't care right, what right. it is. And I'm working there, and while I'm working there, I also, you know, during the day, this was at night, it was a part-time job, really, at night, cleaning up while the movies are on. So I find this other job at a construction site, cleaning up, except that paid quite a bit better, and there were a lot more hours, and it was just more the kind of work I had done all over the place, you know, so... Uh, I figured, all right, this will be okay. I, I'll do this during the day, and I'll do that at you know for a few hours at night, and that'll pretty much keep me busy, right? Well, the job at the movie theater didn't last any, you know, but a week because they said, oh, hey, guess what? You know, now remember, I'm getting paid minimum wage at the movie theater, right? So okay. they go, oh, by the way, uh, here's a, you know, they give me a pile of paperwork, and they go, uh, you need to join the union. <laughs> all those evil unions. And I was like. I was really befuddled because I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm picking up trash at a movie theater for minimum wage, and I need to be in a union? (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah, really, you got to. It's mandatory because Hawaii is not a uh, right-to-work state. A right-to-work state. Well, I kind of of like that aspect of of that. Washington is not bad either, and my... My thought process on that, Frank, is, you know, a right-to-work state is, just means that you get to have the right to work for less money. Now, I know that you were making, you were saying making minimum wage at the movie theater, but... Uh, well, the unions are all a scam, and, and you know, I, I agree that the theory was good, and there was a time in the history of this country where they were necessary to, you know, basically balance things out again, but now... They have become unbalanced the other side, you know, and the unions all need to be destroyed as far as I'm concerned, especially the public. public. I I don't believe that if you work for the government, you should not be allowed to be in a union. You're already working for the government. I mean, what more do you need? I tend to agree with you. You I have a little bit different views on the union, and they're not really, really strong ones, but uh, they would. Well, I say destroy them and start over. Look, if, if, you know, get rid of them. And if you're not getting treated right at work, start a new union. But get rid of these union bosses. 
because yeah. they're the corrupt dirtbags that are stealing all the money. And you think, you think you got a nice pension at your union? Yeah, well, when it comes time to collect that pension, let me know if it's there, because I doubt it, because well, those fat cats will, will have it already spent. Well, that's true, and, and a nearly, well, I hate to say near 100%, but nearly 100% of the cases, that is true. Well, uh, 100% of, of you know the major corporations and the government, all the pensions are underfunded. That's yes, what they, they like are. to say, underfunded. Right. That means we ain't got the money to pay all of you. Exactly. Okay, so, okay... Who's that going to be? Is that going to be you, or is that going to be, be the other guy? Well, you have to you have to pay attention to that. And I can say this: that the Western Conference of Teamsters is, was never, and it isn't underfunded because they were never mobbed up, and so that really has helped. And 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 that is, I don't want to get too far away from the interview, but uh, they never mobbed up with Jimmy Hoffa back in the '70s, and there was a lot of hate and discontent between the Western Conference and the, and, and and the rest of the conferences of of Teamsters, and there still is because. The Western Conference never bridged to, over to those other conferences. So at least, and, and it's been this way since forever, the Western Conference of Teamsters is very solvent, and their, their pension funds are completely fully funded. And so that's, at least there's that. And, well, and there that is, is that, and that, and that's a good thing. And that's because yeah. really, you know, other than, all right, the collective bargaining thing, but other than that, the pension really is the, the big deal about a union. I mean, you know, yeah, they negotiate how much you're going to get paid and everybody gets a livable wage, and okay, great. But really the pension is the thing because that's the security. That's the reason nobody wants to quit. That's the reason, you know. Well, you, you can look at it and go, well, yeah, okay, I'm making good money here, but you know what, I could probably go make good money somewhere else too, but what about my pension? Yeah, that's why I stick around for, um, been, you know, for more than 25 years as a Teamster, and so I've got, you know, and I'm not counting on it you know, to, to sustain me for the rest of my life, but at least it'll be something and it'll be there. Uh, well, if you so can get your hands on it, I'd convert it to something other than paper. You know, that, that's all I have to yeah. say to people about it. But so I read, uh, you know, they go, well, just go ahead and sign that. And I said, I'm not just going ahead and signing nothing. I, I, let me read this. Oh, okay. Well, they, I read it. Uh, you know, I take it with me and I read it and I read this garbage. And, you know, <laughs> I'm reading what this union's about. They have a, Okay, for one thing, if you got a union that has something called a no strike clause, I'm sorry, there's no point in being in that union. Yeah. Because what what what's your bargaining position? Well, you have none essentially. No, I, I our agreement is I I won't strike. Really? Then what am I in a union for? Yeah, that's a good point. So that's I came back point. and I asked him. I said, hey. I read in here there's a no-strike clause. He goes, yeah. I said, what's the point? He goes, look, it doesn't matter. He goes, you gotta, you got to join yeah. the union to be here. I said, I, I'm not doing it. He goes, i got to fire you then. He yeah. goes, I said, well, then you got to fire me then. He goes, well, you know, he goes, you can finish out the night. He goes, but, you know, then it's got it. And that was the end of that. And I didn't care because I already had this other job. You know, so that... Yeah, yeah, and I made I made some money at that other job because, of course, when I got there, you get hired on as cleanup, and inevitably, if you're not, you know, bumbling idiot, you know, they they figure, hey, uh, let's see if this guy can do anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So they start asking you to do other things, and as you can complete these tasks, they give you more things, and then they offer you more money, and this, this is this is pretty much 
all around the country. This is how construction sites work, you know. If you got some ambition, you're going to move up the ladder. Yeah. Well, and by that time, I I had some skills because I'd been working on construction sites all over the place because you know that's just a place where you can actually get a job, even if it's only for a day. I mean, you can get a day job just today at a construction site. They'll hire you, yeah, because they, they've always got things to clean up. Yep. They've always got stuff they need done just now. You know, okay, maybe tomorrow, you know, hey, go get that pile of trash yep. out of here today. Be and that's, over. that's it. You know, so uh, so I did pretty good there, and I, make, I, I made a little money there. And then a friend of mine, I, I was getting bored with that, too. I was actually kind of getting bored with the whole Hawaii thing, you know, and so I, I got a, a friend of mine, I took the day off, and I'm bumping into him, and he goes, ah, hey, you know, I knew him from Hilo, the other side, and, and now he's over in Kona, and I'm like, hey, he's going, he goes, yeah, I'm going over to Maui. I said, yeah, why? He goes, wow, well, there's this girl over there that, I, you know, picked me up. Ah, uh, girl. Yeah, she picked me up hitchhiking, I'm going to visit her, you know, she's house-sitting, and I said, oh, oh Maui, boy, that, you know, I've heard about Maui. He goes, you want to go? I said, well, I got this. I said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> I will. I'll go. So I just uh, bought a ticket over to Maui, and off we go. So we go to Maui, and uh, we go out to uh, Hana, which is at the other, with the far tip of Maui, not where the cities are. The the Hana Highway is like one of the worst roads in the in the world. One okay. of the most scariest drives in the world, and I'm hitchhiking on this thing, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> anyway, so we get out there, and uh, they get in a beef, and uh, he goes walk, you know, marching off mad, and I'm left sitting there, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I ended well, up, why don't you I ended up marrying that girl. Ah, well, that's where I wanted to get to, but why don't you hold that thought, because we are at the break, and we will continue on with that after the break, guys. See you after the break. Now we can see a new world coming into view. A world in which there is a very real prospect of a new world order. The new world order does not mean surrendering our national sovereignty or forfeiting our interests.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Just fight till the wrong arm of the law gunned him down in Arkansas. He would not pay one dime of tribute to the IRS. And for his disobedience, they planned his fiery death. And now all is fair in love and war. Christian blood has been shed. Shall all meet at heaven's door Cause all is fair in 
5.45 p.m. On a North Dakota road, February 83, that's when the war began. Where two federal marshals died for the sake of tyranny. They both would underestimate the courage of one man. Who only shot in self-defense to save his promised land. Folks, welcome back to the last part of the Condition Critical Show. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. This is my live show for Wednesday, the 27th day of April 2016. It is now 38 minutes past the 3 o'clock hour, and without further ado, I'd like to bring Frank back on and continue on with uh, his uh, history a little bit here. Frank, you there? Yep, I am. Okay. Well, thank you again for uh, agreeing to this. I appreciate it, and I'm really having a good time with this, but for the interest of time, now you did mention that you met your wife there, and yep. that's something that I really wasn't going to ask you about, uh, you know, just because it, I, I'd assume it was kind of personal and, and all that, but at the same time, I'm glad you brought it up. So now, was your was your wife Hawaiian, or was no. she... Okay. No, actually, she was German, uh, house-sitting in Maui, and uh, the guy she... <laughs> it's interesting, the guy she was house-sitting for was a radio operator who was uh, like 60-something years old, and he got a contract gig to go radio operate at Diego Garcia, which oh, no everybody way. knows is a listening post, okay? That, that, that's, <laughs> that's Spookville there. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're operating a radio at Diego Garcia, you're working for the spooks. But you're there, yeah. It's a very secure, very isn't it? Not a very. Not many people get the privilege of going. Yeah, yeah and he and, and the money you see was humongous. Okay, well, that's and, and that's why he why he took it, and he he extended even because and and you know he needed somebody to live in his house because in Hawaii, see if if <laughs> if you got a house there and nobody's living in it, somebody will be living in it by the time you get home. Okay, you get some squatters going on. Yeah, they're that way there, and and so you know he knew that, so he he hired her, gave her a little bit of money, but not much, and you know we got actually when I was there we got jobs. Uh, she already had a job, got me a job working at a flower farm, a uh, exotic flower farm, where we cut flowers. It you know they're like eight foot tall flowers, and we cut them, and uh, oh. you know they they sell mainly to Japan. But anyway, so. I I actually I was I'd already been in Hawaii a year and I told her look I I got to go back to the mainland because I've had it with the you know I'm not an island person I thought I could be my intention was to stay there forever but it's just uh, you know it, it you either are or you're not an island sure. person okay. and I'm not and so I wanted to come back and I told her I got to go you know I'm sorry but I I just can't stay here anymore. So I came back to Oregon, Medford, Oregon, and uh, 
I guess a month later or so, she followed me here, and uh, we got an Airstream trailer and uh, lived in that for a little oh. while. And I started uh, with a friend of mine, a uh, detail shop, and and that's what we did. And then I got, you know, you know, and then I thought, well, I need to be an adult now. You know, that was all fun and all. Now I need to be an adult, so I need to get a driver license, and I need to get registered to vote, and I need to, you know, and I I'd like everything, I got to do everything to the wall, and instead of just registering to vote and go vote, I had to become a poll worker, and, you know. Sure. <laughs> so I get so, all, so. all involved in this and start finding out about things and going, well, gee. So, so then maybe was this kind of where the transition took place, you know, to what you're – doing now yep. i mean i'm trying to yeah it is it actually it actually there <clears throat> uh listening to your old broadcast i had asked you in yahoo messenger i think last week it, it wasn't avr it was like christian broadcasting network so mm. now did you start off and you also mentioned that you had a you did a paper for a while the american voice yeah as a matter of fact i've got those bundled up and they're ready to go in the oh, i appreciate that thank so you. and i do thanks so so you started doing the the paper first, or did you? Well, or you yeah, already doing that wasn't, radio? you know, it wasn't. It, I did do the paper first, and it wasn't uh, just let me start a newspaper. I mean, first I, you know, I got oh boy, you know, let me register vote, let me get involved, let me be a good, you know, civic, you know, I took civics in school, let me participate. So I did that, and then I thought, wow, things are screwed up, you know, these. These poor people in charge, you know, they just don't know. So I'm going to go and help them and, and let them know what's going on out here. So I did, and uh, naive, and found out they know what's going on. They want it that way, and uh, they're corrupt. So I thought, wow, this isn't doing any good. And then I started uh, hanging out at a place called the American's Bulletin. And they had a reading room and, uh, you know, place there. People hung out, and Guys were doing lawsuits and, you know, alternative banking and all kinds of things. And I, I just thought it was fascinating. And I started learning. And uh, then I thought I knew enough. And I filed a federal lawsuit and, you know, and, and started a group. Well, I didn't start a group. Me and another guy started a group. And um, the Tenth Amendment group, because, you know, states' rights was a big mm -hmm. deal and all that. And. And I just got to the point where I realized, you know what our problem is? We don't have enough people educated. They don't know what's going on. So I started the newspaper then. And uh, 1998, I guess, I started the newspaper, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and having the newspaper, being a publisher for that, you know, I got radio interview uh, in invitations. Okay. Now, one thing I, I neglected to say that, you know, while I was hitchhiking around, I, I went through a place called Benson, Arizona, and uh, I got kind of stranded there, and <laughs> I ended up getting a job at a radio station being a disc jockey there, just, oh, you know, is. spinning music and, uh, you know, the stupid little things DJs say in between songs, and that was my Jeez. job, right? Wow. Yeah, uh, that was in 19... Uh, I, my first day... Okay, my first day on the job, I don't remember dates well, but my first day on the job was Super Bowl Sunday when the Chicago Bears just annihilated the New, New yeah, England yeah. Uh, Patriots. So that was my first day on the job at the radio station, whenever that was. That was 1985, I believe. I don't know, one of those, you know, yeah. but that's when it was. So Because uh, I remember, because I was so thankful that probably nobody's listening. <laughs> you know, 
you know, because I didn't get a lot of training, right? And I'd never done <laughs> Anyway, so so I had a little background in, in radio, and I got these interviews, uh, you know, and I do these interviews as the publisher of this newspaper, and, uh, you know, that was really my, my introduction into talk radio, and then, you know, somebody heard me, and they said, uh, well, James Lloyd heard me, and he says, you know, you, you know, you ought to do your own show. I say, well, I can't afford to, you know buy any time on the air. Uh, actually, I was buying time on the air on shortwave, just only shortwave, because internet really wasn't a thing then. No, no. And once a week, I was doing shortwave, and I was also on Truth Radio Network, which was the big Patriot Network on Saturday. On Saturdays, I was, which is always, you know, the weekends are cheaper and all that. So I did that Saturday night, and I do one hour. And, uh, you know, that was basically my start. And then I just, uh, James gave me, uh, he said, hey, why don't you, you know, you need, I was doing once a week, and that's when he said, why don't you do five days a week? And I said, I can't do five days a week. I don't have enough to save. I mean, oh, yeah, you do. Sure you do. I said, well, okay, I can't afford five days a week because all I could afford was what I was doing. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, you pay me the same you're paying for one day a week for five days a week. And I said, deal. So uh, we did that, and that's. I did the, and that's what you basically were listening to. You were listening to the American Voice Radio Hour. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I named it that because of the newspaper. Okay. And that's what that was. And then, and I gotta, I gotta thank James Lloyd who helped me start American Voice Radio Network because unlike a lot of the times, people decide, well, if you can do it, I can do it better, and if if you can do it, it must be really easy because you're an idiot, and, you know, <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to go off and do it, so pff, you, you know, right? That's how it normally goes, uh, but that's not how it went with us. He encouraged me to start a network because he was focusing on Christian issues, and I was focusing on patriot issues. Okay. I sense that, and, you know, I did sense that. You know, yeah. and he thought that was a good thing for me to do. And, and you know, and we worked together for many years, uh, you know, cooperated. We There was no animosity at all in in our, what seemed to be splitting, because we didn't really split, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did, but we didn't. We were still friends, and, you know, I'd still go to his house and all these other things, you know. So there was no uh, bad feelings there at all. It was really a nice transition. And that's it. That's that's how it all started. So now, when did you start the American Voice Radio Network, if you can recall? I, I'm thinking 2004. Okay. And now, since then, I mean, you, I mean, obviously, you've come a long way. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, how your commentary has, I mean, you, the, you know, the times have changed, but your commentary, do you have you got that? And I'll call it a compliment. A, a lot that how consistent how consistent your 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 commentary has been, you know, over the years, even though the circumstances have changed. Because to me, that shows it just shows a lot of character, Frank, that well, you haven't become like this wishy-washy, uh, uh, you know, just trying to get ratings or just you know, you understand where I'm. What I'm I saying? do, I'm, I do, and you know, recently I have because I've been. Recently playing, you know, those <laughs> older songs, older, uh, not songs, but older shows. But uh, actually, you know, I I never listen to, you know, when I when my replays come on, I turn the sound down because, you know, I heard it once already and I, sure. I don't want to hear it again. And I don't really think that much of 
you know, my show uh, particularly, you know, but the, the, one day I was, I played one of these old, because I found a, a CD, a DVD of these old shows, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know I had these. So I, play, I, I put them in and I started playing and I was listening. And I'm thinking, sheesh, this doesn't sound different at all. I mean, this is the same stuff I'm saying now. Yeah. And I didn't really think of it as so much of a compliment. I kind of was thinking, geez, you know, can't you come up with anything new? I mean, you know, what's the deal? You know, the same repetitive, you know, it, it seemed to me. Well, I know, okay, yeah, but not really. I mean, you're you're just saying you're saying the, <laughs> the same thing, but it's different. I mean, if that makes any sense. I well, yeah, as you say, the circumstances change yeah. to a degree. Well, actually, the circumstances kind of have stayed the same, and the the players change. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm a sports announcer. Well, you know, it's the same sport. Right, right. You know, it's the same sport. That's you can only you, you can only just, you know, you can only just do so much. It, you know, if it's a baseball game, it's a baseball game. Right, right. And there's the pitch. Well, he's well, one for five, nine for three, and two for five. Did you hear well, now, play? over the years, if I may, over the years, you've had a lot of different shows, and some quite good, I, and I miss some of them, and some I, not so much. Uh, what, is, what can you tell me about like some of the shows that have come and gone uh, in the past, Like, if I can mention a few, like sure. Warren Radio with, uh, what was that guy's name, uh, Dana Smith? Dana Smith, yep. I used to really like that show, uh, John Clark's show. I used to like his show. And so how does it work, and how did some of those, you know, things work over the years with shows coming and going and seemingly good shows? Uh, I, I, and that might be just a personal question. Well, it, it, always, it always is a personal thing because a show you like, somebody else might hate, and a show you hate, somebody else might like, and, you know, and, and that. But there's all kinds of different circumstances. Some some you know, some partings have been amicable, some have not. Uh, some have been because of, you know, health issues, family issues, people have died. Uh, you know, all kinds of different reasons people, uh, other people have gone to other networks. Sure, I'm, I, you know what, as a host now, I, I can understand that because every year at my work we rebid, and I mean, when we rebid next January, my circumstances could change. And... Yeah, so I'm gonna to have to get good at like doing Audacity or something like that. And you know, and a, and a few people, and, and you know, a few, uh, well, a few people, several actually have just kind of burned out. You know, and that happens a lot actually in this whole movement. And you, you know, you don't notice it so much in the short term. You know, you get in, you're in it. You're in it maybe two, three, four years, right? You don't notice it. But when you start going, getting past 10 years, you start realizing how many people have dropped out. Yeah. And, you know, in my position, I, I you know, I've had an opportunity to deal with a lot of people. So I, I can, you know, when I wonder why did this one, where's this one gone? I actually have people I can call and ask. And they'll actually talk to me, you know, and tell me, well, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's not for broadcast or anything like that. It's just for me to know. And, you know, and a lot of it comes down to people just get burned out. They get disappointed. They, you know, and I I said something earlier today to somebody else that I thought was, you know, I thought it was quite clever myself, but uh, (laughs) we'll see here. And, you know, I just, I, I told them that, 
the higher our expectations, the greater chance of disappointment. Sure. You know, and that's really prevalent in this movement. People come into this. They get into radio. They get into writing articles. They get into doing blogs. They get into all this because they're fired up, man. Right. And they expect to make a difference. I can. You're talking to me, really. Uh, and when it doesn't happen, it's disappointing. Oh, it is. You know, but that, you know, this is, <laughs> you, everybody out there has probably heard the phrase, you got to play the long game. You know? Well, it seems like that's what you have done. You have been in this a long time, and, and, you, and if anyone could or could be burnt out, it would seem like yourself. You've been doing this you know, a long time, and so you haven't at times kind of felt burned out? Hey, keep going. Hey, last week I took, you know, I, didn't, sure, I sure. didn't do any shows last week. You know, I mean, I produced everybody's shows, and I still did everything else I got to do. I just didn't do my radio show, and I didn't because I was kind of burnt. I was sick of hearing my own voice, to tell you the truth. Well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I was sick of talking. Yeah. I'm sick of talking. You know, I mean, so I took the week off. And well, it's a good thing I did. I mean, I, 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 it is. It's a good thing. Sometimes you just got to, man, because uh, I'm, you know, I'm one that, hey, I don't want to hear you whining. I don't want to hear you complaining. Put your, put your head down and, and suck it up, cupcake, you well, know? It, well, for me, I got to say, and I don't, don't take this personal. I mean, when, I, when you're not on, it's somewhat of a disappointment. And I can't be the only one that thinks that. I'm one that just really looks forward to your show but at the same time i understand you you need a break because you're not just doing your show you are producing everyone else's show and this is a full-time gig for you we've talked off the air mm -hmm. you know during breaks and this you're you this can and it does probably consume you so having said all that we're getting close to the end uh, just what what's the future for abr what do you see in the future uh, how long in other words i mean do you plan on doing this uh well Till I stop breathing is my plan, okay. and uh, you know. And what do I see for AVR? I see pretty much more the same. Uh, you know, there's going to be technological advances or changes, and and you know we're gonna we're gonna slide along with those. And the, the only thing that I right now can see as an addition, or it's not really a change; it is an addition, is is to somehow integrate video into AVR more, and, uh, you know, I haven't quite got it all squared away in my head how I want to do it exactly and what to what degree, because I really am not all that into the talking head. You know, I figure, hey, you know, if you're nothing but a talking head, you might as well just be on radio, you know, but if I can integrate video to a greater degree than just the talking head. And I've got no problem with people, you know, having their, their personality on the, on, on the video. But there's got to be more, okay? There's sure. got to be a little more than just you standing there talking, uh, in my view. You know, some people can disagree with that. But that's, that, that's really the only uh, thing that I, I see right now. And, again, there could be advancements. When I started AVR, you know, the Internet was nothing but an afterthought. It was like, oh yeah, and we might have we have a stream too. Sure. You know, now the internet is like the main deal. Yeah, it really is. It just really took over. You know, but so well, things change that you might not know are coming, and you just gotta, you know, hey, when the tune changes, you gotta change your dance. That's well, all. that'll that'll be something to really look forward to. Uh, I think so. 
But I have to, in closing, because we're pretty close to the end here, I got to ask you, okay, tell us about the rooster that we can hear in the background of them old shows. Because I, <laughs> I, I love that rooster, <laughs> and you really need to integrate him, I think, into well, some of your shows. Well, the rooster uh, was where I, I had another studio, and I had a window right behind my mic, and this rooster, when he heard me, when he heard me talking, would come under the window and start crowing. And were great. you aware of this in the beginning? Uh, I, it, I was. A, what do you mean? Oh, like that he was like. Did you did you know this rooster was out there crowing and that it was being broadcast on the air? Oh that, yeah, because what you hear on the air is nothing compared to what I heard. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm it was sure. distracting. And, and and if you listen to enough of those shows, you'll 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 hear me get aggravated a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. Because I I just hated it. It would distract me. It was like drowning me out. You know, and I'm like. You know, I hate that rooster. And then I get emails. Everybody's going, hey, you leave that rooster alone. I know. Love I that love rooster. that rooster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, you know, so, yeah. And, and, and then somebody tried to uh, uh, diminish or, or disparage AVR one time, and they called us Barnyard Radio. Oh, whatever. And you know what? I took that as a compliment, and I said, you know what? I like that barnyard sure. radio, Got man. That's cool, roots, because man. you know what? Screw you city slickers out exactly. there. You know, that's what I got to say. What's well, wrong with barnyard radio? Nothing. Well, yeah. we are at the end of the show, Frank, and I want to really, I'm, I, I appreciate you coming on and letting me talk with you and telling you a bit of your story. I really appreciate it. I hope that the folks out there enjoyed it, and I'm sure they have. Uh, so having said all that, Frank, thanks again for, for thanks. coming on. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Thank you. Okay, guys, we're at the end of the show. I don't want to talk over. Uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, this is different for me. Uh, there's the music. Uh, God bless each and every one of you for listening, guys. Uh, thank And again, thank you all for listening. I will be back on tomorrow at 2 p.m. I'll do my regular show tomorrow, the regular condition critical show. Got a lot of things to cover. See you all then. Again, God bless each and every one of you. And remember this, folks. Remember this. Freedom comes from the sword. See you tomorrow. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
orthorexia nervosa, or on for short. And the researchers say that the condition is made worse by a fear of being unhealthy and shunning low-quality, pesticide-ridden, GMO-laden, gluten-stuffed foods. <laughs> so this guy, the reporter for Waking Times, <clears throat> comes out and he says, <laughs> the short version is it's mental to eat processed foods, okay? And the reporter says that the psychologist conducting the study argued that healthy eating can become dangerous if one becomes fixated on the types of ingredients in food, how it's cooked, and what materials are used to prepare it. And those suffering from orthorexia may take extra time to prepare their food and carefully consider what they're willing to eat. Oh, my God. What a horror that must be, huh? I mean, hell, I've been like that for 40-some-odd years. Anyway, so what happens was what they noted was that 90% of the products sitting on the grocery store shelves in the U.S. are loaded with processed foods, most, most of which are scientifically engineered to create physical and mental addiction. And as such, the overly processed foods, which are also mega portions, have led to all sorts of medical problems, specifically diabetes, but also heart disease and cancer and obesity and a lot of other chronic conditions. And given that even traditional medical science knows this, why would conscientious efforts by people to lower their risk of contracting these diseases, thereby driving the cost of health care down, not be encouraged rather than vilified and misdiagnosed? as being a nutcase. I mean, to me, this seems really silly. And I'm sure for all rational people, it probably is. So what's, what, why is there a problem? So the co-author of the recent study, his name is Thomas Dunn. He's an associate press professor at the University of Northern Colorado. He comes out and he says, such draconian diets <laughs> can lack essential nutrients and they make the vitamins and minerals a person does get from meals of exclusively, say, leafy greens impossible for the body to absorb. <clears throat> this can lead to fragile bones, hormonal shifts, and cardiac problems along with psychological distress and entrenched delusional thinking. <laughs> How much time do you guys want to stop laughing? Seriously, draconian diet? Seriously. If this nutcase wants to talk about a draconian diet, 
She doesn't have to look any further than what the average American household consumes on a daily basis. Fast foods, processed sugars, sugary soda, manufactured food not served in a natural form. And if, if that weren't enough, then why isn't there, why is there an obesity epidemic in the United States? So in this guy's thinking, if you meet two of the following, you might need to see a shrink. Okay, so he's seven things he points out. Number one, you consume a nutritionally unbalanced diet because of concerns about food purity. (laughs) Two, you're preoccupied about eating impure, unhealthy foods will affect your physical or emotional health. Three, you rigidly avoid any foods you deem to be unhealthy, such as those containing fat, preservatives, additives, or animal products. Four, you spend three or four more hours a day reading about acquiring or preparing certain kinds of food you believe to be pure. Five, you feel guilty if you eat foods you believe to be impure. Six, you're intolerant of others' food beliefs. And seven, you spend an an excessive proportion of your income on pure foods. Well, this guy is part of the emerging medical academia clique attempting to work with the administration to get more people declared mentally incompetent so the FBI can take our guns away. (laughs) So (laughs) the reality is good nutrition really helps to prevent mental disorders. You know what I mean? And clean eating is the key to sound mental health, not processed junk. And it's not crazy to eat that way. I mean, okay. So I, I became like that back in 1975. And I guess that qualifies me as a super nutcase. <laughs> of a healthy guy so who cares you know I mean how many how many guys that are almost 80 are out there doing all kinds of sport activities and the only way you can do sports activities is if you're healthy and the only way you can be healthy is to eat right and to work out (laughs) anyway so Modern medicine, right, they, they project the image of scientific rigor, but it has all the hallmarks of a system of religious belief. So the question then is, is modern medicine more science or religion? So the practical consequence of this insular perspective is the dead-end system of Western medical materialism that we have today. 
repair of the physical body is erroneously equated with healing. Never mind whether it's capable of true healing. It doesn't even understand the meaning of the concept. So the church of modern medicine is a dysfunctional Frankenstein monster and a result of having raised the analytical abstractions of the rational mind to godlike status above all other facilities of human experience. So basically it's nothing more than a mere character of what medical science could and should be. So in its quest for objectivity, medicine has rejected its spiritual roots and lost sight, lost sight of its humanity. I mean, it, it can't be, but it's nothing more than a reflection of the culture from which it came from. And it arrogantly rejects the wisdom of thousands of years of human history, is fragmented to the point of disassociation, devoid of common sense, and it's preoccupied with short-term material goals, being a hooker for its financial overlords, and utterly lacking in the requisite spiritual knowledge that will enable it to find its way out of its self-imposed idiocracy. So like some religious faiths, medicine clings to the world, its worldview, when challenged by patients whose firsthand experience sometimes leads them to believe otherwise. Then it defends its dogma with a powerful form of groupthink and is very quick to lash out at the heretical ideas that threaten its doctrine and its territorial interests. So like some religious movements that purport to be the one and only true path to salvation, medicine displays, displays their unusual degree of intolerance, when they're faced with non-believers who dare to ask questions. So it's basically a closed belief system that doesn't allow innovation or new ideas, and it lays claim to truth, fact, and obje objectivity, but is, it exposes itself as otherwise when you closely examine the assumptions, the politics, and the practices. So the... Church of Medicine found its origin back in the 17th century with this guy, Descartes, who was a key figure in the scientific revolution and a proponent of rationalism, a philosophy that elevated the mind and its ability to reason to a superior status above all those other sources of knowledge. Okay, so there's many thoughtful individuals that really would consider spiritual insight to be a superior form of knowledge. But nevertheless, even those spiritual reality and material reality can be considered 
two halves of this process, one gradually began to take precedence over the other. That which could not be measured, quantified, or assigned the logic to justify its truth was dismissed and tossed aside as irrelevant. And it was from this dogma that the new secular church of medical materialism took root. So that's to say that this is the point where it began to deny the primacy of spirit and replace it with the worship of the physical body as the most important, if not the only consideration relevant to human health. So medical science takes this materialistic stand in opposition to the non-physical. And it's predicated upon a denial of relevance of spirit. So the irony is that the Church of Medicine assumes the authority and function of a religious system, but refuses to account for the role that the spiritual dimension plays in human health. But others who understand the significance of spiritual factors, such as an afterlife, reincarnation, dreams, karma, and so on, are forced to contend with an unnatural cultural spirit that reduces the welfare of the physical body to material terms and relegates the welfare of the soul to the wayside, as if body and soul are not connected and have no impact upon one another. So, as... (laughs) Before I get deeper into this critique of Western medicine, let me make it clear that if I have a problem that I can't figure out, I'll use conventional medicine and diagnosis. I mean, I have to. Everything has its plus and minuses. You can't do without medical diagnosis. You can't do without emergency medicine. You can't do without insulin for diabetics. You can't do without antibiotics for life-threatening illnesses. It goes on and on and on and on and on. And while I do have respect for most of the medical doctors, especially the guys in the emergency rooms, the system itself is a broken system based on a flawed philosophy, and it needs some serious revisions. Like, like, like any good faith, the Church of Medicine stands on the authority of its sacred text. And the randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial is the gold standard that assures the purity of the church doctrine. So the sacred studies are the only source of true knowledge, and all the other forms of knowledge are nothing more than inferior. So the upholders of the faith 
they quote from the sacred text in order to disprove and discredit heretical viewpoints. And the conspicuous incongruity here is the ever-changing and physical nature of medical research studies, which frequently contradict one another and are commonly sponsored and funded, by the way, of the very corporate interests that stand to gain from the research. So the true authors of the modern sacred text increasingly turn out to be the underwriters of the medical industry, industrial complex. Now you gotta understand, this is a little satirical, but it's kind of making the point. And then there is, if any, little room for dissent inside the cathedrals, otherwise known as the hospitals of medicine, and those that have innovative ideas are commonly treated as the pariahs. So the net effect is, is to ensure that medical doctrine remains hermetically sealed and impervious to outside influences. The medical priesthood maintains its elite status and authority, but at the expense of its relationship to those who was originally intended to serve. And when it exhibits such a consistent lack of receptivity to new ideas, and insist upon the superiority of its worldview, it can only be compared to a form of fundamentalism, which basically removes it very far from the realm of rationality and logic that it claims to have come from. So the contemporary battle between the monolith of unyielding medical opinion and those who have experienced the first-hand devastation to loved ones brought about by vaccine injuries and adverse drug reactions is emblematic of the issues created by a medical system that is increasingly unresponsive to its patients. So when we come to understand that modern medicine is a result of an over-reliance upon the abstracting and analyzing functions of the rational mind, then we see how it can take such cold and calculated positions in the face of so much tragedy that they have induced upon us. So medical science stakes its credibility upon its rationality, and yet many believes that it holds are more accurately characterized as rationalizations. We're all quite familiar with those patronizing mantras of medical denial. This is just an anecdotal evidence, or show me the studies, or there is no conclusive evidence, or more studies are needed, or those are the risks that come with the benefits. 
I mean, these rationalizations only become possible when we accept the false premise that logic is superior to intuition, common sense, first-hand experience, and empirical, empirical evidence. And as with many effective religious systems, ritual and symbol are often employed to inspire belief and reinforce the faith of the congregants. <laughs> so the medical church has its white coats, its green scrubs, and its stethoscopes, and these, and these are the symbols of the medical priesthood. And we can't forget the ritual of washing of the hands to ward off the evil germs, in spite of what the basic science teaches us, which is that excessively antiseptic practices contribute to the development of microbial mutations, which in turn lead to increasing resistance to antimicrobial drugs. Well, do these practices strike you as being rational <laughs> or scientific? No, and the congregants are expected to unquestioningly submit to a long stream of ritual acts such as well baby visits, vaccinations, mammograms, cholesterol checks, and an ever-increasing battery of tests and procedures brought to us by the latest cutting-edge technologies and made possible through the generosity of the biotech industry. So one has to wonder, with such vast expenditures dedicated to healthcare, why is our collective health as a society suffering so badly? Well, in contrast to this, true medical science that was faithful to its original mission was originally conceived to explore the nature of life without a predetermined agenda. It didn't impose artificial parameters upon itself in order to define what was and what was not worthy of scientific inquiry. But when contemporary medicine chooses to restrict the scope of its investigations to the purely material, it has to acknowledge the limitations that this puts upon it as a science. It basically reveals a serious bias when it declares that spiritual existence is a mere figment of the imagination that has no impact upon illness and health. So if it chooses not to take spiritual reality into account, then it can't at the same time claim any authority regarding issues of vitalism, energy, consciousness, spirit, or soul. So most forms of holistic health and healing, on the other hand, begin with the fundamental assumption 
that we are spiritual beings temporarily inhabiting physical bodies during our time here on the physical plane. Now, if this truth is to be honored, then spiritual laws and energetic principles must be taken into account when we consider issues of health and illness. Another important foundational principle of holism considers it a given that all is one and that everything, therefore, is interconnected. So to speak of body and soul as separate entities is an artificial construction of the rational mind that is not in alliance with holistic reality. And this illusion of separateness is nevertheless part of the legacy of the reductionistic, mechanistic, materialistic worldview into which most of us were introduced. So when modern medicine very seriously refuses to incorporate matters of energy and consciousness and spirit and thought and emotion and intuition and intent and imagination and meaning into its healthcare equation, it simply reaffirms the, reaffirms the limits of its scope and its ignorance of the larger holistic picture. And it reduces human life to its lowest common materialistic denominator. So when one person reports the resolution of his chronic headaches after a past life regression, and another experiences relief from her depression after a um, soul retrieval, and conventional medicine responds by dismissing these stories as mere anecdotes, it basically is revealing this unbecoming contempt for things of which it has no understanding. When homeopathic treatment results in the dramatic improvement of a child with attention deficit disorder, and conventional medicine claims that it's just not possible because it defies the laws of chemistry as it understands them, then it's time to go back to the medical drawing board to revise one's conception of the mysterious nature of human health and disease. When orthodox medicine demands explanations that conform to its mechanistic worldview before it acknowledges those phenomena as legitimate, it's doing nothing more than demonstrating its obstinacy and refusal to adjust its understanding. So when we start with the assumption that all that exists, or at least all that matters is the material world, then we arrive at a very different conclusion about our approach to the human illness than if we start with the assumption that we're all spiritual beings in 
physical bodies. Science without grounding in something greater than itself lacks all sense of perspective and begins to take on the role that religion rightly served in earlier centuries. So the reductionist approach of medical science breaks the human body into its component parts, but it lacks the synthetic ability to put them back together again in order to make sense of the soul, of the whole. So science has produced this vast quantity of data, thereby increasing the breadth of our knowledge. But medical science, as it's presently configured, is completely incapable of obtaining the wisdom needed to add to the depth of our knowledge of health and healing. So it's not concerned with the greater understanding as much as it is with reinforcing what it thinks it already knows. So what's happened is modern medicine has degenerated into a shadow of its original intended purpose, preoccupied with politics and intoxicated by its own power. So the new medical religion is predicated upon mechanism, reductionism, and materialism, and has set itself up in opposition to common sense, spiritual understanding, and holism. So medicine can't be healed until it comes to the realization that these traits are not enemies, but complementary principles that should be working together as a unified whole. So a greener, more integrated medical world would go a long way to healing the wounds of not only the patients, but the practitioners. So just, just for a minute, for those of you out there that don't believe in reincarnation or don't believe in subjects that the only documentation found would be in various scriptures in the world, but of course, since that's not scientific and you're taking the word of somebody that you don't even know exists, although you hear about him every day, um, is kind of bizarre. So let me just give you a for instance and something for you to think about. And it's, we all dream, right? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes in your dream, there's people that you're interacting with and there's people in your dream that you have no idea who these people are. So far, so good. I mean, you're in the situation and you're in contact with people, but you've never in your life, in this particular life that you're in, have ever seen these people before. We've all, we've all been subjected to this. The reality is those are people that you have encountered 
in your previous lives. Because while the body that the soul inhabits changes, what's held in the mind does not. Something to think about, guys. <laughs> okay. So now let's get back to health talk. Yeah, baby, yeah. Let's talk about health talk. Screw this spiritual crap, man. Okay. Mainstream health care, we know, is not based on health or caring. It's based on this ingrained system of medical mythology that's practiced and defended by those who profit from the continuation of sickness and disease. So this system of medical mythology might also be called lies. <laughs> so I want to give you, in my opinion, the top 10 lies that are followed and promoted under mainstream health care in America. Lie number one, <laughs> vaccines make you healthy. <laughs> okay, so we know that the vaccines have emerged as the greatest and most insidious mythology fabricated by Western medicine. And the idea that vaccines protect you from infectious disease is so false in the long term because whatever year's flu shot you get actually makes you more susceptible to next year's flu. And on top of that, even the theoretical short-term effectiveness of vaccines is dwarfed by the far more effective protection offered by vitamin D and other immune-modulating nutrients, like a clean diet. <laughs> okay, lie number two. Pharmaceuticals prevent disease. <laughs> so the big push by Big Pharma is focused on treating healthy people with drugs as if the pharmaceuticals were nutrients that could somehow prevent disease. And this is the new push with the cholesterol drug. Give them to everyone, whether they have high cholesterol or not. But pharmaceuticals don't prevent disease, and medications are not vitamins. Your body has no biological need for any pharmaceuticals at all. And people who believe they need pharmaceuticals have simply been brainwashed victims of fabricated consent engineered by Big Farm's clever advertising and PR bullcrap. Lie number three. Doctors are experts in health. Do you know that doctors don't even study health, they study disease, and that the modern doctors are taught virtually nothing about nutrition? Well, I shouldn't say that. 
they have two hours of nutrition training in all their medical school, or they know nothing about wellness or disease protection, prevention. So expecting a doctor, a doctor to guide you on health issues is kind of like expecting your accountant to fly a jet plane. It's not something he or she has ever been trained in. That's not to say that doctors are not intelligent because many of them have really high IQs, but even a genius can't teach you something they know nothing about. Line number four, you have no role in your own healing. <laughs> so the doctors, the drug companies, the health authorities, they all want you to believe that your health is determined by their interventions. And if you believe them, then you virtually have no role in your own health and your own healing. It's all managed by their drugs and their screening and their surgeries and their interventions. Yeah, baby. Lie number five. Disease is a matter of bad luck or bad genes. Western medicine wants you to believe in the mythology of spontaneous disease. Disease that strikes without cause. This is basically equivalent to saying that disease is some sort of voodoo black magic and that the patients have no way to prevent disease through their own diets or lifestyle choices. And it's actually quite funny that Western medicine claims to be driven by scientific rational thinking, and yet the entire industry still fails to acknowledge that chronic disease always has a cause, and that most of the time that cause has everything to do with nutritional deficiencies, exposure to toxic chemicals, and a lack of exercise. Disease is almost never a matter of bad luck or bad genes. Lie number six, screening equals prevention. <laughs> I love this, man. This is cracking me up. This is better than Saturday Night Live. Western medicine does not believe in disease prevention. Instead, they believe in screening while calling it prevention. But screening isn't prevention by even the wildest stretch of the imagination. Virtually all popular screening methodologies actually promote disease. Mammography, mammography, for example, emits so much radiation that it causes breast cancer in tens of thousands of women every year. Imaging dyes that are used in radiological scans can cause these terrible, horrific side effects and psychiatric disorder screening is nothing more than a thinly disguised patient recruitment scheme designed as medicine, disguised as medicine. So real prevention of disease must involve disease prevention through nutrition, patient education about the causes of disease, and lifelong changes in eating habits. Yet Western medicine teaches absolutely none of these things. 
Not only that, it doesn't even believe in these ideas. Lie number seven. Health insurance will keep you healthy. This is by far the favorite lie of those who recently pushed for the big pharma-sponsored health care reform that has swept across America. The lie supposes that merely having health insurance will provide some sort of magical protection against disease. But in reality, health insurance doesn't make you healthy. It is only you and your choices about foods and exposures to toxic chemicals and the pursuit of exercise and time in nature that can make you healthy. Health insurance is, in effect, a wager that you will get sick. So how does gambling on your sickness provide any protection whatsoever for your health? It doesn't. Personally, I would rather bet on health than sickness, and the way to do that is to invest in nutritional supplements, organic produce, superfoods, physical fitness, and non-toxic personal care products. But hey, the hell do I know? Lie number eight. Hospitals are places of health and healing. (laughs) You want to stay healthy or get healthy? The hospital is the last last place you want to find yourself. They are unhappy, unhealthy places that are infested with antibiotic-resistant superbugs. The hospitals usually serve disease-promoting foods and lack health-enhancing sunlight and potentially deadly mistakes with pharmaceuticals or surgical procedures now appear to be frighteningly common in the U.S. hospital. Okay, obviously the emergency rooms play very important roles in urgent care for injuries and accidents. And the emergency room physicians do an amazing job saving lives. But for people with chronic degenerative disease, The hospital is the most dangerous place to be unless you really need immediate critical care. Try to avoid the hospital. Lie number nine. Conventional medicine is advanced state-of-the-art medicine. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but just the stuff is just cracking me up. Okay, so even though doctors and health authorities try to pass off Western medicine as being advanced or modern, the whole system is actually pathetically outdated and stuck in the germ theory of disease. Western medicine has yet to even acknowledge the role of nutrition in preventing disease, something that has been scientifically documented 
at least for the last several decades. Western medicine fails to acknowledge mind-body medicine and hilariously believes that the mind plays virtually no role in healing. Well, neither does Western medicine acknowledge the bioenergy feel of living systems or that organ transplant carry memories, nor that the living food is qualitatively different than dead food. Seriously, conventional doctors still believe that dead food is exactly the same as living food, and the USDA food pyramid still makes no distinction between the two. So modern medicine isn't so modern, it turns out. Basically, it's hopelessly outdated and desperately needs to upgrade its approach to health and wellness if it hopes to survive the next hundred years. And lie number 10, more research is needed to find cures. <laughs> oh my God, I can't take it. So this lie is especially funny because Western medicine does not believe in any cure for any disease. They don't even look for cures. And this lie has been repeated since, I don't know, the 50s or 60s, when the cancer scientists claimed they were only a few years away from curing cancer. And today, 40 years later, 50 years later, can you think of a single major disease that Western medicine has cured? I can't. There aren't any. Why? Because drug companies make money from sick people, not cured people. A patient cured is a patient lost. <laughs> and it's a far more it's far more profitable to keep patients sick and pretend to manage their disease through a lifetime of pharmaceuticals. So when drug companies and disease nonprofits claim to be searching for a cure, what they're really doing is taking your money to fund more drug research, to patent more medications that don't actually fix anything. So you got to remember this the next time you're asked to donate to some search for the cure, because the cures already exist in nutrition and herbal remedies and naturopathic medicine. But Big Pharma and the conventional medical cartel, they're not interested in this. They only want to promote the idea of a cure while pumping patients full of drugs that don't cure anything. So when it comes to Western healthcare, there's way more than 10 lies. But the 10 lies that I gave you today Maybe they're the most relevant to your own health decisions. And by avoiding being suckered in by these lies, take charge of your own health and avoid the healthcare scam by staying healthy. And staying healthy is not as difficult as you think, and it doesn't require health insurance, and it doesn't require disease screening. It only requires you making informed, intelligent decisions about what you're going to put into your mouth, what you're going to put on your skin, how to get more sunshine, and to do more physical exercise. And once you do these basic things, 
you will find that you are no longer being held victim by a Western medical healthcare system based on lies and outdated medical mythology. So it's time for a revolution in medicine, a revolution that finally advances past the mental roadblock of a system of medical mythology that is stuck back in the 1940s. Hey, I grew up in the 40s, and medicine was great in the 40s, but it ain't no longer the 40s. And the germ theory of disease is hopelessly outdated when it comes to the primary diseases that are striking us each and every day. Yet the profiteers of our dishonest, outmoded healthcare system are doing everything in their power to keep us all stranded in the past, a past that's based on treating the body like a chemical battleground and attacking every disease with a patented pharmaceutical. The whole approach to healthcare is so far outdated that it's hilarious and can still be pushed with a straight face. And it's no wonder that doctors only spend an average of two minutes with patients these days. That is the limit. Two minutes is the limit of how long they can hold their faces without breaking out in laughter at how, how stupid this whole treat the symptoms and forget the causes approach to healthcare really is. And even they know it. And that's why most doctors actually eat really good foods and take superfoods and take vitamins, vitamins themselves, even if they never dare suggest it to their patients. So the true fact is, it is illegal for every U.S. in every U.S. state for a doctor to recommend any vitamin any nutrient or any food for the prevention or treatment of any disease because doing so can cause a doctor to have his medical license permanently revoked. <laughs> how crazy, how outdated is that? But that's reality, and that's what we're living with, and that's what we're faced with. Look. I grew up in the, I was born in 1939. I grew up in the 40s, okay? And I grew up in the 50s. And I had allergies coming out of my, oh my God, it was amazing. I had asthma. I had so many allergies. I had more zits than Bayer has aspirin. And this is the way it was. When I used to play ball in high school, I used to give my asthma spray to the guy on the field to keep in his bag because if maybe I ran wrong or something happened too quick for me, I couldn't breathe and I needed to go to the manager to spray so I could breathe again. This was reality for me. This was growing up for me. This was horror for me. Then one day, I took a walk on the wild side. 1975, beginning of 1975, 
Why, I don't know, but I immediately switched to a plant-based diet. Immediately, within one year, 90% of my allergies, gone. My skin was shining. My hair was growing like crazy. My energy level was going through the roof. It's just amazing. And I have been that way for, I don't know, 46 years. Crazy. And I'm still going. And here I am. I'm almost 80 years old. And I'm in too soft. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.